0: Hello, 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 everybody. Today i bring bringing my good friend Jason Thomas from Los Angeles, California. We is out here today. Um, one thing that you guys don't know about this episode is that uh, there were some de- there were some technical difficulties before. So uh, uh, Jason is now about to introduce himself again.
1: Reintroducing myself, but yeah, hey everybody. I'm, you know, I was just telling Jones I was feeling a little offended. You know, he's had a lot of guests on here. And I'm just like, you know, when is it gonna be my turn? You know, like Skip Bayless says. So, uh, you know, I'm feeling good. It's, it's right timing, I feel great to be here. So thank you, I appreciate you, man. Hey man, we
0: do what we gotta do. You know, as, as the deep thinkers of SLAT, you know we, <laughs> we must We must come together. Uh, we have to. I was finna ask you, like, today was your last day out in D.C. Like, how does it, how does it feel to have this chapter of your life kind of coming to an end?
1: Uh, really bittersweet. For sure, I was uh, I went and did my last little lap around campus, and I'm just looking at everything like I remember this, and I was <laughs> getting like a little sad, man. I had to wipe my eyes a little bit just listening to music, you know, feeling very grateful and uh, just reflective, thinking about some of the memories and like the type of person that I've shifted and morphed into, and in a lot of the lessons I've learned. So it feels good but at the same time it's sad to leave but the optimism comes from like you know i'm excited to see what's next so that's what really is making me feel good
0: yeah bro that's one of the things about like, the environment like howard is like just any place that you're very familiar with now like when we first came here in 2019 like it felt like such a foreign place to us and and to kind of come back to campus and leave and like damn like i have so many experiences and memories across all the campus. it's like it's definitely a, kind of sad to see it come to an end for sure Nah, exactly, yeah. And like you
1: said, like how it, it's like high school, you first get there and you're a little intimidated, and then you mm-hmm. end up feeling comfortable and getting familiar, and then you got to leave from that. So, college, it feels even more so because I feel a much deeper connection to college than I do high school. So, it only feels even crazier.
0: Yeah, bro, college is um, it's different than high school because, like, in college, like you really become like a man, you become an adult for real. Like, high school is. I'm I'm always going to have, when I go back to St. Mary's, I'm always going to have, like, positive memories and stuff like that. But college is something different. Like, we came a long way to come here, bro. No, that's true. I feel the same way. Like,
1: I have fond memories of high school, and I was grateful. Because I went through a lot in high school, too. But college, like you said, it's a whole different animal. Because it's like, now you're really dealing with grown man responsibilities. And mm-hmm. nobody going to do it for you. You got to really go and make your own imprint and figure your own way out. So... Colleges, it's a different type of animal because you are you really becoming a grown man, yeah, or you gonna right. stay a little boy. So it's like that's the choice you make. Exactly,
0: you gonna you gonna stay a little boy, like you kind of get forced to, and you you come out here by yourself pretty much, like yeah. you know you ain't really you got to make new friends and stuff like that. It's um, it's something that I'm definitely I'm gonna be forever grateful for for, for this experience, bro. Like it's um, it made me something else that you posted on your story today. Like he was at Drew. Like we really. We really became, like, that was the first step into us becoming men, bro, for real.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I hated you when I first got there, bro. My first night in I was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> nah, literally, because, you know, the walls are white, and it's super, like, it has that clean hospital-type smell. And I don't know if you've seen us, like, at the end, like, the the people are running through, like, the little compound at the end, bro, I was terrified. <laughs> you hear squeaks. I was in my bed, looking at the corner, scared as hell, so... <laughs> Real crossword, and I have a hard time sleeping, man. But <laughs> for real, so at night i would be hella scared, bro. But yeah, I was pretty petrified. But it felt, you know, you got more familiar, and then I met you guys and met people that I really cared about a lot and had a good time with. And I was just thinking too, because I sat outside of Drew, and I remember my mom was the only person who came with me when I first came to Howard. Mm-hmm. So. She was sitting there and i'm my mom's youngest son so she's sitting there crying and tearing up i'm like mom chill like you about to make me cry so let's quit so i'm just looking at that like oh we were sitting over here and it's crazy to think like it went by so quick so that's the crazy part but y'all yeah, was very grateful for drew uh charles drew penitentiary Hall. So, <laughs> <laughs> that level four prison complex was pretty cool bro, bro.
0: in the podcast i recorded earlier we were talking about how like drew like built like a, it really built like a prison like it's built like a box yeah like for real, like, and they have not given us any renovations, bro. Man. Like they renovated Quad though. Yeah, they did. But but for us, they just got us looking like
1: CHS's uh, facilities are newer. So is CHN, like they have, mm-hmm. you know, they got ice machines on every floor. If you, were, I didn't have a mini fridge and Drew, so if I was thirsty, luckily I was on the second floor. I went down to the water fountain, like Rosa Parks or somebody. I found a water fountain and I drank water out the fountain. We our vending machine, we hardly ever had anything in it, so. Yeah, you really have to make do with what you have and that's a whole different type of like beast mentality, preparing and just going without. So that kinda of prepares you for a lot too. But I am still very grateful
0: for Drew and I you know, look at it finally. When you say you was on the second floor, I thought you said you about to, when you was hungry, you have to walk down the hall to two fourteen. Oh,
1: for sure walk down the hall to two fourteen for real. I used to knock on their door, they would not answer the door. <laughs> It's bro. like, it was like a soup kitchen for me. They had a microwave in there, so I would take
0: my food and then <laughs> and microwave my food. You really want to come microwave your food in there, I would come microwave there, my bro. food and leave and go eat my food, yeah. Bro, that's super funny, bro. I remember, it. yeah, it was like one night. It was like four in the morning. Like, me and LJ, like, we was, we had, we was still talking and stuff, but you, you started, you knocked hella, hella quietly, like, it was like a little, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, like a little, like, like a mouse was knocking at a the mouse, door. I, mean, I, mean, I was like, we already, we already knew. Like, we didn't even say nothing. We just we just shut the fuck up. No, it was quiet. He was like, bro, he's not he's not talking, bro. And
1: I know Joe and LJ, they like me because I stay up really late. So I knew they were up. Of course, y'all. Was up. <laughs> so I was like, I believe they had it slow because they had a mini fridge. And I used to make fun of LJ. I would say he has, like, country club drinks. Remember he had, like, them lim- lemonade ginger ale. I'm like, i never seen no shit like that. But it was so good. And I was trying to get some. I was thirsty in the middle of the night, bro. So right. y'all was not fucking I with think, me. I probably went to the water <laughs> I
0: think you was looking for the. He uh, was looking for the the Arizona. Um, oh yeah. Them Arizonas used to be hidden, bro. Yeah, it was bro. something about living in Drew that that ice cold Arizona just yeah. it just felt so refreshing, bro. Like, and don't even get me started on the on the night that you that you and Patrick called me up. Oh no, nah, bro! That was some terrible. Man. That was the worst way. My whole mouse situation, like that was crazy. That was that was funny, bro. Because we we never even got it. No, we didn't get it. We never, we never even got it, bro. And we tore
1: the room up trying to look for this mouse, and uh, we couldn't find it. So, like I said, I, I'm a hard, I have a hard time going to sleep. <laughs> I held my <laughs> knees together, <laughs> and I made sure I had no part of my body hanging on the floor because I thought that mouse was gonna end my life, bro. But. <laughs> that you know, was crazy. That was
0: really, that was hilarious, bro. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I don't know if I could've it would have been hard for me to go to sleep too if there was a mouse in my room and I yeah. knew it was in there. Like I would have been well, I wouldn't even want to get out the bed. I Hell wouldn't, wouldn't want to step. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to see nothing running, bro. Like that was that was crazy, bro. Like we really um we was in there, you know, LJ wasn't in there. It was just me who came down to help. Uh but I, I think like I think LJ locked the door on me. He did. <laughs> he locked the door on me, bro. No, nah. like, no, it was because it was because we had um, we had, we had thought we saw it, I think, and then we all started we all ran down the hallway to to two fourteen. Did
1: he not? Did he like go to sleep or something? Weren't you banging on the door trying to get in or something? Yeah. I thought you was really trying to. That was hilarious, bro.
0: It was a few nights where I used to come back late and I used to have to bang on the door because he would lock it. And now look, now we don't even lock the door here. Like no hell, no y'all have an open door policy this is like America <laughs> <Yes>. open borders <laughs> it's, you know it's, it's, it's pros and cons like, I, I love living here but uh, it's it's, def- it's definitely a lot having people pull up but you know like
1: you ever walk in and you see somebody like you don't expect to see in your house when you like get from somewhere like has that happened
0: um. Well, when I when I come in, and I see somebody up yeah, there, like
1: somebody who you never thought you would see. Like you just randomly see this dude on your couch or something today.
0: Um. I say like not not like individually, but L J might bring somebody over who yeah. I haven't seen in a while or I've never seen before. Like, oh, what's up, bro? Like, I mean, I'm social. Nah, to you he, you are me.
1: the social butterfly. to yeah. do it in the group.
0: Like whenever whenever somebody brings somebody new, I always be talking to them. Everybody
1: like. loves your side. He like Raymond. <laughs> they love his ass for real, for real. Yeah, hey, do it in our friend group.
0: Hey, that's that's funny, bro. Like, just I don't know. I I just think about like Drew Drew. That shit really. I can't I can't quantify what what that experience really like meant for me. Like being around like like just like just being in that type of brotherhood Like we used to we used to pull up to Drew and we used to have like this. Hella conversations late at night, like About like, like Gavin running down. Y'all used, be, y'all used to be able to hear him on the hallway. Like, like, whenever everybody on the second floor knew when Gavin was coming, for real, for real, everybody bro. knew when he was coming, bro. Like, whether it was like Jamal pulling up to play Madden, bro. Like, I just want to let y'all know I retired Jason from Madden.
1: Oh, no, nah, really? He literally retired me from Madden. I was like a casual Madden player, just played a pastime, have fun, and I would go and I made audibles and shit, obviously. but... They played to a whole different level to where it was not fun. I'm very competitive. I hate to lose, so I won't play. So I haven't played Madden in maybe four years, three years. <laughs> I don't touch the sticks, bro. I really don't. I don't like the video games. It kind of irritates me for real. I, so, I
0: remember yeah. I remember the last time I played you. Like It was like January 2nd semester. freshman semester. year. And I remember I thought the look on your face like I, be so like I felt i felt bad i'm like damn like silly. like i really hurt this dude feelings like
1: i would i would leave from uh y'all room if i got my ass whipped in the game i would go straight to the gym <laughs> and have an oppressive workout <laughs> i have the hate fuel workout for real, for real man that should have me sick and that sounded
0: like something gavin's saying because like gavin ain't beat me in Madden for like two months and in, coming into the school year he ain't beat me till like Like early October, like the end of September, and there was one game like before he beat me that he had came he had come real close like two games before, and like it was like a game where like I I was down by like four when with like thirty seconds left and then the I had the ball like I had to drive down the field and I hit him with like a like a seventy yard touchdown to win the game, and he's he said like he he tried to act cool like he didn't care when he was in the room. And then he said he went up to the fourth floor where he was at. <laughs> and he screamed in his pillow. His ass had a meltdown. Now Gavin was better than
1: me and Madden too, considerably better. Y'all were really good, but Gavin would kill me in the game too. And I was, I'm like, I don't like this. So
0: nah, bro. Y'all, y'all really had me like, y'all had my ego boosted. Like especially when you came in, you was calling me a uh, Howard's offensive coordinator, the, the OC. I'm like,
1: we need a new OC because we're terrible. I'm like, they, they need to recruit your ass, man, because. Y'all play on a whole different level. Like I swear to God, it's the craziest thing. That was. I'm like, how you watching film for Madden and shit?
0: <laughs> Y'all are crazy, bro. That's funny. Nah, bro, we take that seriously, bro. And anybody listen to this episode, like, you can you can hit me up for a game of Madden. Like I'm gonna really whoop your ass for real. But, anyways, like, you know, Also in that time, like, that's when Howard got their ass beat, seventy nine to nothing.
1: Yeah, by Maryland.
0: They yeah. Him, bro. That stuff, like. I ain't even, obviously I wasn't on the team and I had people hitting me up, they were like, bro, like, it's so funny you said that I had
1: people hitting me up, my mom is calling me, like, I'm in distress, like, I don't give a shit about the <laughs> Howard football team, bro, like, what? But yeah, people was for sure, like,
0: DMing me, texting me about it, but yeah, I remember that. Yeah, bro, it was like during the first week we was at Howard, cause I think it was August 29th. Yeah, it was something like that, yeah. and I,
1: yeah, that's crazy, 79-0, like, that's disrespectful, <laughs> bro. Like, as
0: hell, like man. why are we even playing them dudes, bro? Like, bro.
1: But damn, seventy nine s yeah, you like, I think they were still passing at the end of that game too. Like Maryland like, was. Yeah, I think they were still like throwing touchdowns. Yeah. They
0: weren't trying to run or anything. <laughs> that, like that. That's anti black. As, as hell, bro. That that is that is literally them trying to get their name on the headline, bro. Yeah, that was crazy. I think they had a. I think they had Tua's brother on that. Oh, he was on there that. Year? I know. I don't. I don't know if he was on there that day. Yeah, he might have been. He might have been on.
1: Yeah, I remember, yeah, like, eventually, but I don't know yeah. if he was there at that point. Yeah,
0: facts, bro. Like, damn, Drew Hall. Never, I'll never forget my experience there, bro.
1: No, I won't either. And it's so funny because, like, we talk about, you know, the amenities being terrible and all that. And it's funny because previous classes, we all have, like, that shared experience. So I'll meet people that went to Howard. And, oh, I lived in the second floor, like, in the 90s or the 80s. So that's pretty sick. So... That's something we're going to carry with us for a long time. It
0: do make me mad, though, how, like, they got a weight room now. Like, they actually put weights in the, in the basement level.
1: I I haven't seen the weight room, but I think I've heard y'all say that because mm-hmm. I'm a big weightlifting dude. So, I remember my first time because I, I went on the website and it said, Howard has a weight room. So, I went down there and it was a gang of mirrors in there. It was no <laughs> weights. And I was sick to my stomach. But shout out to them, man. Hey,
0: And that's funny. You, uh, you brought up working out. Like, what did it take for you to actually become, like, a real, like, Workout guru, so to say. Damn, a guru. I mean, bro, like you, you really, you really be in there, like, like I, I, I be thinking I would be in the gym, but, but you, you really like, like you, you, be in there more than me for real. Like, you said, what inspired? Like, you. like where did that start for you?
1: Michael B. Jordan,
0: <laughs> but that's, a, that's such a light skin
1: answer. Right? <laughs> Michael B. Jordan, my Lord and Savior, Michael B. But. uh... Nah, I mean, playing football as a kid, I was always like a skinny, fat kid. You know, like slim, but you got a little belly. You like, I have big legs. So. Yeah, that was literally me. <laughs> that was literally me. I butt. was a skinny, fat little kid. And I remember I was like, we always talk about being a late bloomer. But when I got to high school, my body was not really changing yet, like, as far as developing muscle density. So, 2015, Creed came out. And I saw Creed at the South Bay Galleria in uh, Redondo Beach. And I heard somebody go, oh when he had that shirtless scene, and I said, I'm gonna do that, and I'm gonna be just like that, and I devoted myself to working out, and my body still didn't change, but I kept it up pretty consistently for like a few months, but then when uh, Black Panther had came out in 2017, that's 2018, 2018 18, yeah. that's when, and we were juniors in high school, yep. at that point, it was no looking back, I'm, like, I'm Killmonger, and people used to call me Killmonger in high school, because I got to a certain for level, so yeah, for sure. And hey,
0: that's, that's crazy, bro, like, I remember, before me and LJ knew you, we used to just call you Saquon. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny.
1: Yeah, they were I was calling me Saquon. That shit was funny as
0: hell. Well, it's it's kinda crazy like how, how how we met y'all, like LJ LJ didn't even know Gavin like that. He had met him like once in SOB. And but since it's fresh year, you kinda just sit with anybody. He you was trying to make some friends. So me and LJ, we was in a we was in NX together, so yeah. we uh sat next to all you guys. I think it was you, Gavin. Who else? I think it was um Somebody else from LA, bro. I can't remember. Was it a girl? Yeah, I think it was a girl. I was feel it,
1: like it might have been Tyler or somebody like that. I don't there, there was I another. With there was name. another
0: dude there. Like, I don't know. I don't think it was Tyson. I'm trying to remember. There was like another dude. Was it Indigo? I don't remember. But like, yeah, we started. We started talking shit about like Madden and everything. Like, yeah. We was like,
1: oh, y'all was laughing at me. That's when cause. You know, meeting people at Howard, and we all have so many different personalities. You do meet the people that kind of, you know, take themselves seriously and whatnot. So when I heard y'all calling me Saquon, and then y'all was laughing at me because I was like, oh, yeah, I play with the Madden. (laughs) I play with the linemen on Madden. I play with the D linemen when I'm on defense, and y'all was dying laughing. So I'm like, you know what? They're pretty cool. And then I found out that y'all stayed relatively close to me, which was down the hall. So then I just pulled up on y'all one day, and the rest was history, bro. Like, it was we was locked
0: in. I, I was surprised you guys pulled up that night. I didn't think y'all was gonna slide through. I have shit to do. Probably <laughs> I was
1: like, they right there because you said two fourteen. I'm like, yeah, I'm two twenty one. Yeah, so I just like let me go down there and go kick it with y'all. And yeah, then, yeah, it yeah,
0: was yeah. A lot yeah. Of fun times after that. Yeah, bro, like you and Gavin pulled up together, and then we yeah. was just we just chopping it up, playing like, and that, that was the days, man. Like life was really simple back then. We was just. So going to our dorm we wasn't even really thinking about the future we was thinking about the future of college like we wasn't even yeah. really about thinking about what dorm
1: we gonna be in yeah this, bro so.
0: yeah bro like that's really um, like we really came a long way bro and then, like along with the gym bro like what do you feel like like the biggest life lessons you've taken away from like being, being such a gym rat like
1: I'm gonna say confidence mm. um the gym makes me feel a certain type of way about myself like just pride and respect and it kind of that physical like the attributes kind of shifts you mentally like you know you start to look at yourself differently i always get more confident because even at high school like as far as my personality i've always kind of been like the funny friend a little nerdy funny one so i knew how to make people laugh from a young age but i was a, a small cute little kid then i went through the awkward phase so i'm like damn this funny shit not working bro like i'm not getting no hoes being funny <laughs> so i'm like i gotta do something bro like and I went to all boys school, but I was really down bad. So once I started working out, and then I I, I had glasses, I wore contacts, I shifted, and it was a different mentality. Y'all know if you seen Spider Man when his powers first kicked in, he took his glasses off, he started flexing in the mirror. That's what I was doing, and I started girls was paying attention to me, my friends, I got more respect, and like you know, it was kind of cool. So I was like, I like this feeling, and I just kept it up. And I'm not even close to nowhere near where I want to be, but facts. it does feel good though. Like even just you know how you feel about yourself, how your body feel. Like it's a lot. Yeah, go bro, to the gym. Uh,
0: the <laughs> facts, bro. I, I agree sure. with that so much because like I tell people, going to the gym is more than just like getting your body right. Like it's really about the process of you know, what happens like while while you're while you're going consistently. Like it's such it's like the highest form of self respect in my opinion. Like yeah. like you know taking the energy and effort every day to go put some work in. On your body, and that's something that nobody's forcing you to do. Because like people will put so much time into like obligations that are given to them from like outside, like whether that's like school work, trying to get an internship or a job and shit like that. But when it comes to the gym, nobody's telling you to do that. That's yeah, something that you do on your own. I feel like that's when you gain the most confidence when you're doing it on your own volition.
1: Yeah, for sure, that's a different level of discipline and commitment. And like you said, it's a different type of you know confidence that you feel with that because. I feel good knowing like I'm at the gym and y'all playing, doing some bullshit, like just anybody. So I love, you know, when I do that and I feel better about myself, but I've been in the gym one time, like at my building and this one dude was like, bro, like you're so dedicated. And I, that's, I did not need to hear that shit. Cause I had a smile from ear to ear, right? <laughs> a Kool-Aid smile. <laughs> but Yeah. So that, that had me feeling very good about myself. And it's like, you feel like it's paying off. Like, okay. Other people see it. Like that's a big deal. I feel like when people see the value and what you're doing, when you don't see it, like that's really inspiring. So that's I, I appreciate bro. That. That's what
0: really changed my life. Like I never, I always talk about this. Like when I first started like trying to go into the gym a lot, like second semester freshman year, when I started doing it for a few weeks, I remember Kiel was like, "Josiah, you been in the gym?" And I was like, "Yeah." And like he was like, "I can tell, bro. Like your face looking a little slimmer." And I was like, damn for real? Like I I appreciate that and like that that those those words." Show me what I was doing was working, so I was like, I need to keep going because I didn't really know if I was getting results or not. I couldn't really tell you, you, you can never tell, when yeah, because it takes
1: time, so it's gradual. You don't even exactly, and it's a lot of the uh, what do they call it, dude? Um, I talk about this all the time, but you look in the mirror and how you see yourself is different, like, bro, like body dysmorphia, body dysmorphia, like you see yourself like it's the skinny dude, are you still fat? And people don't even see what you see, so it's kind of interesting. But I was definitely proud of you because I remember I was telling my mom like, "Mom, I have my friend Josiah from, he's from the Bay, he lost so much weight." Like I would be telling her that. And even my love interest is like Josiah getting fine. I'm like, damn, Joe <laughs> taking, my, taking my girl. I'm like, should I need to step my game up? So you made me go harder, like in ways you don't even know. For sure, like, remember, uh, you had that little red shirt on, stepping on shit. Remember that video? Yeah. (laughs) So, when he was recording and all that, and it's like, oh, he actually losing a lot of weight. So, Yeah.
0: And now he like the fine friend and all this type of shit, so that's pretty dope. You know, it's actually um, it's a crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah that, that's that's a big point. Disclaimer. <laughs> well, that what? But go ahead. But it, it is a it is a big difference when you kind of like start to notice how how differently people treat you when you when you look better. Yeah. Um, I I first noticed it when I started like working at Safeway and stuff like that because that was my first time being out in the world while I had after I had lost weight. Before that we was in the pandemic. So I was really just at home for like, I didn't really get the chance to really talk to people like that I was only I was at the crib for the most part but actually being in an environment and just seeing how people because like When I I was bigger like people people still would have been friendly to me and stuff like that But it's a different level of respect that people give to you
1: because it's like you were a nice approachable dude a cool guy, so people liked you, you know what I mean, but it's yeah. a different type of damn near admiration a little bit, and yeah. respect for you, like, when they say, okay, well, he's this and that, too, like, you know, so y'all yeah, definitely understand that, but were you, like, showing off a little bit when you was first starting to, like, notice how people were receptive, receptive to you and
0: receiving you, like, were you kind of showing off, wearing like, different stuff? Um, I would say, like, when I, it was a big milestone for me when I, when I went to the thrift store, like, I think it was, like, August, Twenty twenty, like I was able to fit a medium shirt. I had never ever been. I haven't been wearing medium since like middle school or like early high school. So, doing do, like being able to fit those shirts made me want to. Oh, like, I want my shirts to be tight as hell. Like, yeah, I, I wanted to get the the shirt that really show off my physique. So I, I definitely in that way I would definitely be be showing off a little bit. Bro, I agree a hundred percent. Like. Even when I got the Howard, I had a little size on me, but I was still 172,
1: somewhere in there. So, mm-hmm. I was wearing mediums. I wanted to wear clothes that made my arms look bigger, that were tighter on me. And you probably remember this, but I would wear, like, tank tops, white beaters all the time, right? <laughs> and in hindsight, like, I would, wanted to show off that I was muscular so bad. That's what I was wearing. But I had people tell me literally in conversation, like, bro, you're so cool. Like, them white tank tops, like, that made me feel some type of way about you, have a perception about you, but you funny, you a cool dude. I'm like, yeah, I'm cool, bro. Like, you know. So, so I was like, damn, I wish I was a little bit more mindful of like, you know, my perception. But, you know, fuck
0: people anyway. Yeah, bro. I mean, people ain't ever gonna be pleased with what you do, bro. I I mean, like, you're already black as it is. So, (laughs) they're gonna judge you in some way. Especially if you got a tank top on. They be like, oh, he's cocky or something. Exactly, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But like, yeah, like, when when I first lost weight, bro, like, going to Safeway, I used to just like, like girls was looking at me more like like dudes was like girls was looking at you it's cause like it's, it's okay no it's, it's, nah it's, right. men were looking at me <laughs> <laughs> nah it was it was not nah, I was you didn't let me finish like I was gonna say like it's it's different like like you said people people liked me but there's a difference between like between like liking somebody and respecting them like like it's it's a difference like, I'll never forget like when I first started going to the gym I remember like, it was in drew bro we was it was a lot of people in in our room two fourteen and like I, I had left to go to the bathroom and everybody was kind of i when I came back, I heard people they they was talking they were talking shit about me, and I came into the room and i and i and I really checked everybody and and I wouldn't have been able to do that if I hadn't started going to the gym because like the gym gave me a different level of confidence in order to to feel comfortable to doing that film like I deserve to do this, you know it's like. It's that it's that different it's that different cause it was like it, it, it really irked me. I really I don't be getting mad but I was like I was like yeah, what was y'all saying? Like, like, like what was y'all talking about? And people was just quiet. Bro, yeah, that's crazy. I that's something I don't try to do like I'm making shit about
1: me. But like just cause we I was thinking about this previously about you. But um I joke a lot with people, but I never try to like really hit somebody real insecurity. Like, look at your smile, your teeth fucked up, but, like you're really fat. <laughs> so I remember because bro you remember the video like oh you got pepperoni nipples oh so got titties and I'm like that's really mean and you was like take your shirt off nigga but <laughs> that was me. so I, yeah that sucked bro but.
0: and and it's like like that that moment like I was I was really proud of myself for, um, for being able to like check check people like yeah. check people in that moment because that's something that I really hadn't done before like in high school like like it's the same thing like I, I, I was liked but amongst my friend group I wasn't respected in the same way that like some of my other friends were who was like who was going to like D one schools like who who was who was like really really good at football and stuff like that. It was kind of just like I I was a funny dude. I was kind of more like I was usually the butt of the joke, you know. And that's one of the big difference one of the big differences between high school and college for me. It's like like high school was more like I, I was liked, but it was like more like on some like I don't want to say goofy stuff because was like definitely I was really respected in my school, but like it was more like a sense of like. Here I felt like people people liked and respected me, yeah, you know like and not even just from the outside but also just like in my own peer group yeah which you know which 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 really means a lot and I think that coming back to Howard after me losing weight like not even just the losing weight but just the whole confidence aspect like I feel like it really enhanced my experience and it made me wish that I was That I look like this freshman year and I had the same confidence freshman year because I would have been talking to way more people. I would have been out more and stuff like that, but it's all part of the journey.
1: Yeah, for real, and exactly like you said, part of the journey. It's funny because we always will talk and we realize that we like so much more similar, but yeah, I'll fill you with the whole high school thing because I was the funny, goofy dude. I was always like a smart dude, so I have respect in that regard, but like. I was always doing some goofy or some funny shit, getting kicked out of class doing some funny <laughs> shit. So people like me, but I was always the dude that was gonna do some goofy shit or I'm gonna be laughed at. So yeah. yeah, so I understand to you know what you're talking about for sure.
0: And that's kind of a weird thing. Like there was a, a certain point in my life where I was like, all right, I, I'm tired of being the joke. You know, yeah. I don't wanna, I don't wanna be the joke anymore. And it's like I'm still gonna be funny, but. You gonna laugh at me for different reasons. Like you're not gonna laugh at me for for how I look or, or make like fat jokes no more. Yeah. Like, cause like bro, like there's like a subconscious thing that like people kind of look at like if you're if you're bigger and like you know whether it's right or wrong, people look at you like that. But they automatically just like just it's, it's, like assume things about you, you know? Yeah,
1: and I think also too like even with picking on people and being funny. I feel like you can pick on people in a funny way like good hearted yeah. but when you're picking on somebody to like make yourself feel better like you got pepperoni nipples you got titties that's me that's trying to make you feel better about yourself yeah. so yeah you know I don't people you don't want to feel like that way about yourself for Look sure because
0: I'm not going to lie there's some things that people said to me in high school that I like if they said to me now like I would not tolerate that shit at all like yeah. I would like, I don't know I, I, really I really might some things was really like fighting offenses some yeah. things that people used to say to me I feel you and it's like like now like people people don't even, even want to say stuff like that because it's like with me I never I would never want to say something to somebody to where they would even want to say that to me you know and also the added element of respect like it really it really it really means a lot bro and I feel like respect is so important in life bro it's, it's one of the biggest things that people kind of forget like just like how people respect you but also from the sense of like having respect for yourself like I feel like like good things come to you if, if you respect yourself and you truly value who you are and value and just have, just have values and things that you care about, you know, like it's, it's it's a real thing bro.
1: Yeah, no, I agree 100% like that self-respect I feel like you bring a different type of, you know, different blessings in your life when you're receptive and you know who you are as a person, Yeah, and that's kind of been like a journey that I've been going through like with my, you know, with myself over the last few months or so, cause just with me like growing up I was always like the smartest kid or, you know, the kid that's doing something right, leading my cousins and whatnot. Like, okay, we're not doing this and that. So people held me in high esteem, but you don't always necessarily feel that way from within. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Even like with graduating college and getting into certain programs that I'm doing, you kind of have to understand why, okay, I am worthy of XYZ and respect yourself and who you are as a person. So for sure, yeah, I agree.
0: Like, 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 I mean, that's the thing about being a leader, you know, it's like, you you feel like you, you, you you know we all got our own insecurities and stuff like that. So it's like you still trying to figure stuff out, but you still got people looking up to you, people who looking up to you as like the person who who does things right or the person who who's supposed to do things right. You know, so like it's a lot of responsibility that comes with that, bro. Yeah. And I and I think that going to the gym and having that 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 discipline has prepared me so much for that aspect of the, of, of life and just the world in general. I agree, i hundred and twenty percent Like, for real, bro, like, I can't even, I swear, I'm really making such a point for people to go to the gym, bro, like, on this podcast, bro, like, that's really what got me started on this podcast, like, for real, like, like, working out a lot, like, just not, not just that, but just the other things that made me want to improve in my life, like, reading more and stuff like that just made me understand that I had something to say, and it's like, it made me more confident to say the things that I, that I, that I wanted to say, you know, whether whether that's talking about like black issues, whether that's talking about like masculinity or whatever, like yeah. this made me a lot more confident in that aspect, bro. Yeah, because it's like it's an inside out process, so yeah, for sure. Like like most most definitely, bro. And, Like it's um it's a it's a real blessing, bro. Like for real, bro. But like I did another thing I wanted to ask you about was like you about to go to this NYU program, bro? Like how does it how does it feel? It feels
1: good. Uh, I, like
0: explain for the audience like what what the program is
1: this is dope. (laughs) But the program is called uh, the Trials Program. So, it's through the Advantage Testing Foundation and Harvard Law and NYU Law. So, normally throughout the summer or each summer they'll alternate from Harvard Law and NYU Law. So, this summer I'll be at NYU Law. Basically doing like LSAT prep networking with like deans and uh, law schools like Harvard, NYU, legal professionals, judges, stuff like that. So, I'm really excited about it. The process was pretty like rigorous and as I look more into the statistics like they take 20 from a couple thousand people are they taking a the top of the top So I, I was questioning myself like I'm not getting this like they t- it's taking a little bit of people I don't know and I kept going throughout the interview process and the interview process was very unique. It wasn't the typical like what are your strengths and weaknesses what are you know what's your favorite job or you know some stupid stuff like <laughs> yeah. you interviewing? it was really like introspective type of questions like like stuff you've learned about education and you know your upbringing and i really got to understand like the type of parents my the type of you know the type of person my parents have crafted me to become so for sure and the foundation i was saying advantage testing foundation their mission basically is to bridge like Educational inequities within, you know, the, the American education system, and, mm-hmm. and they're trying to take people that come from disadvantaged backgrounds and put them in position to, you know, reap some of the benefits that mm-hmm. other people do that come from more privileged type of backgrounds. So that's the whole point. I feel very blessed when I got it. I was ecstatic because the my last interview was with the founder of the program who has a, like a a, a, a ruined alaoglu and he has a whole Wikipedia page. So I'm looking at wow. interviews. I'm like, he a big deal, bro. So. He interviewing me, and at the end, I was supposed to have an hour slot. My interview was 30-something minutes, like 33 minutes. I'm looking at, like, the time, and he was just like, okay, so, you know, we're going to end the interview. And I'm like, I'm done. Like, I'm not getting this. We went halfway. And then he was just like, you know, well, obviously, we're going to let you in the program. You're the second one I've told so far. And he was just telling me about the type of person I'm like, you know, even, you know, the jobs you've had and dealing with people and, you know, just sacrificing and understanding, like, the greater good, it kind of was, like, teaching me a lot about myself. I was, like, real, like, flustered. My ears was hot, and it's nice to hear because I've had to sacrifice a lot. The whole, like, point of what I was talking about during my interview was, like, I understand the educational inequities because, you know, that's something that I come from and I understand. Like, for example, I didn't always go to schools in my home neighborhoods because we understood that those resources weren't the same as other neighborhoods. So, mm-hmm. For example, my first elementary school was Compton Avenue Elementary School. I'm from Compton too, guys. <laughs> but <it> was Compton <laughs> Avenue Elementary School, which is in Watts. So I went from there literally to Brentwood Science Magnet. And Brentwood is like, you know, the suburb of Beverly Hills. And it was still, um or suburb adjacent to Beverly Hills, but it was still LAUSD. So I saw so many differences. Like literally I was talking about At Compton Avenue, we had lockdowns literally weekly or lockdown every week from shooting or whatever, and you start to normalize that, and I'm going to a school like, well, that's not normal, and even I was learning, bro, I'm jumping all over the place, but high school and, like, I was in high school, I was learning about the uh, school-to-prison pipeline, and at my first elementary school, we had barbed wire up on the gate, and then at the other one, we got, like, grass, and, you know, it was crazy, so... I really I could understand that as a kid. Like, okay, I see here something is not right. Like, you know, this is clearly unfair. And literally, like they say, crossing the tracks, we would go like, you know, going through Compton and South Central to my school. And Brentwood was like the most surreal thing, from seeing abandoned homes to literally like
0: Lamborghinis and fries. That's the first time I'm seeing them with my eyes, so that was crazy. Bro, it's it's crazy. Like, I mean, LA was definitely one of the worst spots to like, like. Redlining and oh, yeah. and and building highways through black communities, like all the all the systemic things that they do to to destroy black people in this country, that most people are completely unaware of, bro. Like a hundred percent. And
1: I'm not gonna say we don't have anybody to teach us, because we all have, you know, the internet, which is our equalizer. But as a kid, I didn't even know that was a, a thing. I didn't. I just understood that this side is good, over here is bad. And then i was in a program called the los angeles mayor's youth council and we learned about redlining and the history of like south central los angeles how they didn't let black people live on this side and you know basically central avenue was the cutoff. That's mm-hmm. south central mm-hmm. and then central more from like south south los angeles to watts to compton it's like one straight line like that so this side of the line, they don't give loans for homes and businesses and all of that. So ba- that's why, you know, not to make excuses for crime, but, you know, naturally it's going to occur. You're going to put these people in this place. You won't let them leave. You took all the resources out. So that's why I'm starting to see, oh, this is why the crime is so hot. Oh, this is why it's nice over here. Over here is like this. This is why the air is like this over here. You can tell. Like, like the air is different. It's literally different, bro. So, yeah, that's something I really, like, understood my whole life, eh? Now we, you know, you get to see it in other major cities as we start to travel more. Bro, every
0: every big city, like it's the same problems, bro. It's one of the things that pisses me off when people talk about like crime and everything and stuff like that. Because, bro, a lot of a lot of this crime and it's like it's not making excuses. It's just giving y'all a sociological reason why this stuff is going on. And people people be so like people be are so attached to like narratives and stuff like that. You know, like even the whole like. Black on black violence, which like violence in the black community is definitely a problem that needs to be solved. But like, like how how white people use it is not it's not out of a way of solving it, bro. Yeah, it's, like
1: it's to exactly like taunt or make fun or kind of you know like justify how cool. we are. Yeah, because the whole uh, black on black crime and the thirteen percent commit fifty percent of it, like you know that type of little talking points. So it's fair. and I it was something I was internalizing. And that's what I was talking about even like with my personal statement for law school and um, That interview process as well like Mm -hmm. as a kid because I feel like a lot of kids do this You live in a certain place And you understand you see the crime and all the bad stuff that is associated with it And you start to internalize that about yourself. Oh, I'm from Compton So I'm bad like what they say and like going to Brentwood. I literally had parents. I swear to god I was in third grade. I had a parent We had like a party so his parents there and we had my teacher and they said you hear like jason how well-spoken he is and you know he's really smart yeah he's from compton right and i'm sitting there eating my little pizza at eight nine years old and don't even understand just that situation and it hit me like some years later but i think back that think back on that all the time like that is insane so you know it's oh he's from compton so he is supposed to be a certain way but somehow he is different so it's like it makes you feel a certain type of way, and I'm all over the place. That's why I even feel such a certain way about Kendrick Lamar, bro. Because I felt the same way about myself, like you in this this community in this situation. But you still see the value and the beauty within yourself. So yeah, that's crazy,
0: man. Like I, I wish the audience was able to see my face when you was telling that story, bro. Like about the about you being eight or nine years old, but like he's from Compton, like, bro. You eight, nine years old, they already labeling you. They already they like they didn't know you yet, but they already labeled you as somebody who was not gonna be doing well in the classroom, bro. Like and if if you put those type of labels on somebody, they're going to eventually fit that stuff as you they grow, grow older. You grow into it. Like you, you grow into yeah, it. Yeah, literally, yeah. Like bro, for me, like I can bring it back to, to the whole weight thing, bro. Like when I was younger, like in middle school, like I was like when I look at pictures, I was like skinny fat. Like I wasn't I wasn't super big, but People kept telling me I was fat, so I just started to just I started to act like I was fat, like I started to eat a lot. I started. They said, "Okay, Joe, like you're not as fat, so you're gonna be a lineman." So I just started. I started eating. I started to fit into the role that people that that society had put me into, and it's the same thing with like with like like a lot of these black boys who are who are pretty much demonized from, 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 from as soon as they enter school, bro. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. Like, bro, like when you look at like black boys versus versus white boys in the classroom, bro, like whenever whenever a day whenever like a white boy messes up it's like oh boys will be boys he's just being a boy if it's if it's a black dude or a black a black kid messing up bro it's like oh we need to solve him he needs to be fixed this before it's too late bro
1: i got stories about that like literally but it's funny because i'm talking about the two school situation but at the first one growing up i never really seen white people like that because i didn't have white people where i live i didn't go to school with white people yeah but when i did have like white classmates in fourth grade i had a classmate he was like a class clown, kind of like how I was. And we were friends, right? But when I would do stuff, I would get in a little bit more trouble. And I remember one time, he literally had like a microphone from home, like a toy microphone. And he did stand-up in the class. They let him express himself and do that. He was doing stand-up for the class. But when I did stuff, I was getting in trouble. So, yeah, that's something I understood from a young age. Like, it's different for you, you know? Bro,
0: that is crazy, bro. Oh, like, like, it's and it's right there, bro. And, like, I swear, like, these people... Like all the teachers, all, all the white teachers, like they don't like all the white teachers who do that type of stuff. Like they don't understand like what type of impact that has, like oh, yeah. on on kids and boys, bro. Like from from a young age, bro. And it's like, like we see all you see all these black boys and stuff like that who's who's who, who, who you know who, who's committing crime or whatever and is just not focused like that in school. And it's like y'all don't even give them a chance to to yeah. to, to, to to try to become something great, bro. Like. And it's just, it's just a sad thing, bro, because you would think these teachers are supposed to, like, be in there and really want to educate all kids, you know, but it's like you, you already you already placed that type of stereotype on or, or that, that identity onto a kid who don't even really have an identity yet. Yeah, you still learning. We still learn who we are. Like, so, we're like, little
1: kids, you really don't know what's going on. So, that's something I agree with. I've had teachers that have put me down. Like, luckily, I've had parents, bro, like, I give all the credit to like my parents because they're phenomenal but i went like i went from school to the better school and before i went to that school my before my first day my dad sat me down i was hey we watched roots the whole thing <laughs> he said this is how people if they try to treat you or make you feel better or make you feel worse about who you are it's gonna happen and you just have to understand that comes from ignorance and that stupidity and you know who you are so And I remember, and that was helpful because second grade, I swear to God, Latino kids were calling me Brownie, right? Like Brownie, Brownie, shit like that. So I was like, and the white teacher was like, oh, well, Jason called him Milkshake, right? But I'm like, what? Bro, what? I swear to God. So, because I've always tried to fight the humor with humor, but then when I was doing stuff, I was literally getting in trouble for it. But yeah, I've had teachers that have made me feel really dumb. Like, I had a, my Asian teacher in fourth grade, he was like, oh, Jason, you know, he's already he's holding his own. And my dad is like, my son is a star student, and, you know, they feel like, okay, the kid from Compton, his parents do XYZ. my dad went to UCSB, mm-hmm. Santa Barbara, so my teacher went to UCSB. All. Now that, now you can see the humanity in me, because we, we went to the same school, and then my kid. Mm-hmm. So, I had to earn that type of respect, through something like that, but unfortunately every you know black child every black boy doesn't have that support system Facts. and they dealing with the system they dealing with whether that's the criminal system the educational system almost by itself with their peers and it's like that's why I feel like we see so
0: many of the tragedies and you know just some of the stuff we see in this, Facts, world, in this right. country. you you say that about your dad like you talk about your dad a lot to me to, to yeah. me especially you know just because you know the type of type of beliefs he has about events in the black community like describe your your father's influence on your life (laughs) my dad is so funny because I had to do this for my interview process
1: but in my life my dad has been like my philosopher like I said like my mom is she my go-getter like you know if I have a problem she really gonna be adamant my dad is and my mom is really funny and kind of animated my dad is very passive and chill and everything and Mm -hmm. he's taught me giving me a great balance between those two personalities and just has taught me a lot about um, self-identity, like and just believing in yourself. My dad is a big movie dude, that's where I get it from. So we mm-hmm. used to watch The Matrix a lot, you know, Keanu Reeves and Neo, Neo being the one. And but your dad had you woke. Oh, for sure. My dad for sure had <laughs> you woke. But the whole point in the matrix is Neo is not special and he's not doing the incredible stuff that he's prophesized to be because he doesn't believe it when it's within himself. So when Neo see he's the one, and he understand, okay, I'm that guy. Literally, he starts to do all the the ridiculous, exceptional stuff. He's breaking the matrix. He can understand the matrix. So my dad got me to understand that within myself. Okay, you're different. You got to make sure, like you know, you believe in yourself at all, like, you know, at all times. Because I'll be like, Dad, you know, I can't do this. They said I'm slow at football practice. I can't do it. Well, you can't do it then. And I will get mad, but he's just, he's emphasizing believing in yourself. Because if you believe you can't do it, it's nothing I can tell you that's going to make you feel differently. So that's something he's done for me and just given me that level of discipline and just, you know, understanding, um, you know, believing in myself and being the best person I could be. So that's who my dad has been for me for sure. And I'm so grateful that even like, you know, my cousins who don't have, You know, I have cousins who didn't have, you know, father figures at all. Their dads wasn't in their life or they Mm -hmm. had interesting relationships with Mm -hmm. their father. So my dad kind of served as that model for them, too. So I'm like, my dad was really, I feel like, is probably the smartest or one of the smartest people I know. Like, literally,
0: it's crazy. That's real, bro. Like, that's kind of funny. A lot of stuff that you talk about, you describe your dad. That's definitely how my uncle is in a lot of ways. Like, I've had so many deep conversations with my uncle, like, since from when I was a kid, like. Uh, I, I can definitely like thank him for like whenever i was reading books and stuff like that he would always talk to me about about those books and even like he really got me into star wars like you see you see the star wars exactly. tapery right there like he really got me into that but like or, tap tapestry That's, tapestry I the tapestry but he we would be having like really deep philosophical conversations about star wars when i was like eight nine years old so like he definitely helped honed in that, that type of that, that type of deep thought that I really attribute to everything in my life now. And it's like, I feel like that type of stuff is needed, bro. Like Just, just having just having positive black men in your life, bro, Like I mean, that's something that a lot of black kids don't really get the opportunity to experience, and it really holds us back, for real. No,
1: 100%. And it's funny you said my dad is woke, because I've been wanting to say this, too. But, yeah, my dad was very woke and political with his thought. Not necessarily political, like... You know he is tied to an establishment or anything or believes in that yeah but he was always very cynical and critical and made me understand and, you know try to read between the lines like my dad used to tell me about just being a statistic and it would be me and my two cousins he would go one, two, three. one of y'all gonna die or get killed one of y'all gonna go to jail or prison one of y'all right and one of y'all might do something good that's what he would tell us and that's crazy I have had a cousin like my cousin younger than me go to jail you know so it's like prophetic But, yeah, you know, so that's who he's been in my life for me, just trying to get me to understand, like, I don't want to be a statistic, so I know I need to do X, Y, Z to make sure I'm not in these circumstances when I grow up, so. I've had my dad, and I also have my uncle, and he's very cynical, and you Know doesn't trust the government, wouldn't get a vaccine. My uncle wouldn't get a COVID test.
0: My, my, my <laughs> uncle had no say, bro. My, my uncle almost got fired from his job because he wasn't trying to take that test, bro. Like, he, try, he wasn't trying to get the vaccine, like, yeah. The vaccine, my uncle wouldn't get COVID tested. <laughs> no, they not
1: putting that in my nose on the window, so <laughs> bro. My uncle is a big, yes, like, sir. He had big smoke and mirrors chasing this shit. Is all smoke and mirrors and don't believe all this. They telling you X, Y, whatever. So, I've developed this critical thought to political establishments, and when I see Howard students as, you know, shout out to the college Democrats and, you know. I'm like, no, oh, no, man. no. Same, same, same. We're going to talk on here today. We're going to talk. Know, shout out to the college Democrats and talk. Howard Democrat, this and that. But it's like I understand that I'm critical. So I don't really align myself with what people want you to align yourself with. Like, you know, as far as the black voter and being passive, like your time is going to come. We're going to throw a little something to the side for y'all. We got y'all and we see that. This never gets done whether we have a old nice uh grandpa like president like i call you know joe biden my granddaddy i like him but <laughs> i like him just for his demeanor necessarily but um and we have a black president but it's like it's the same issues and it's nothing getting done so i'm registered as a democrat currently when i voted in 2020 i, I was registered as a democrat but i know like and You know the next presidential cycle i I think i will register as an independent really have i've been putting a lot of thought into it because do it that's what you should do i don't align with that bro you know what i mean i don't know and it's like like a lot of people say a lot of these you know dr umars and all of them like we don't put any pressure on these people so it's like they're gonna keep getting by by doing a bare minimum and not doing you know right by the black community for for sure Mm -hmm. and i try to see through that like no i'm cool
0: And that's the thing, bro, like, actually being a critical thinker and, you know, like, being a critical thinker comes from having, like, past experiences in terms of thinking, and and that, for me, comes into knowing your history, you know, and when you, and you study black issues in America, you, you know, that we've been voting Democrat for the past 60 years, and things have only gotten worse, bro, like, like, the, the crack epidemic happened under the watch of the Democrats, the, the 94 crime bill was, was really pushed through by Democrats like Joe Biden, and enforced by our Vice President Kamala Harris, you know? <laughs> you know, people, like, a fellow Howard alum, H.U., but, like, you know, like, we gotta keep it real on here, bro, and it's like, I'm not, like, you can't just excuse these people because because they're black or because they're a Democrat, bro, or because they say the what they want to do for you, you know, like, yeah. and it's, it's, um, the whole thing about, like, the political process is like, like, like Dr. Umar really stresses a lot, it's like, we don't give these we don't give these politicians a reason to want to vote. And something that he said that are, that really had me thinking was like, if you're a black person in America, like do not vote in the 2024 election uh, in uh, in the national in the national presidential race. He was like, and if that and he was like, and if a Republican wins, like let a Republican win. Like if we don't vote a lot, like it's it's gonna take some time. But thing about politics. Politics is always gonna take time. It's always gonna it's just never going to be a quick process. Like you, you're not going to get what you want in one election cycle. And it's if 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 we if we were able to, to do that in mass, maybe that would make the Democrats actually want to help us. Maybe actually want to implement policies not only at a national level, but especially at a local level, a local interstate level, to actually make actually like like fix the hoods. You know, give give the kids something to do. Like put money into recreation. So stop stop putting. Stop putting 30 billion more into the police than you do into recreational activities for for, for all these black kids in the hood, bro. Like, like let's actually make those changes instead of just talking about them, because they just be talking, bro.
1: Yeah, and I understand, and I think, you know, obviously, these political establishments, they see the value in the black vote that's why every year or not every year, but every like presidential cycle or even midterm, you know, they'll have somebody come on there, acquire, They try to do something cool with some chicken, play the saxophone on Arsenio Hall, or, you know, something cool to mm-hmm. get our vote. But I just think black people, we don't see the value in our vote. That's why we don't necessarily, you know, hold these leaders accountable. Like, you know, how these white folks do because they get their concerns and heard and, you know, and their needs met. And it's like it's black people. I don't know if it's a discipline thing but it's just like it seems like we don't do that. And we, we let people, you know,
0: do whatever and we just, you know, go through it. I think it's a perfect example of um I forgot who said this but black people vote. Uh we in terms of politics, we play defense instead of offense. Yeah. We we in this political system, we we play not to lose things while other groups play to gain, like they're on they're on offense like they're like alright we finna get this done we're we gonna get this legislation done we plan as black people not not to lose rights and I think yeah exactly and not be victims you know yeah, what i yeah exactly we're exactly. not
1: trying to actually go do something and win and be proactive it's like you know we're being reactive to these situations Trump is getting elected now so okay we need to do this and let me go learn this now you should have been
0: doing it exactly, exactly yeah. and, and, that's, and it's unfortunate because um something that I that I've said a lot and something that I, like reading the autobiography of Malcolm X really taught me and something that he talked about a lot was like, well I won't say a lot but he talked about in the book was how the the Jews like in 1940 in the 1940s during the Holocaust like they they had made the mistake of assimilating into Germany too much and, and this is what got a, a large portion of, of, of their race killed and after the Holocaust they, they began to understand like okay like we, and uh, even when you go further back in history like in the 1500s like they they try to assimilate too much into Europe and, and, and then they got scapegoated for everything that was going on. And it's like after these big events, they they, be, they have to learn that if if we wanna if we wanna do well we gotta stick together, which is why the yeah, community exactly. is so cohesive, you know, like their their, their culture is down packed. Like they make sure that everything that in the communities, running smoothly, and a, and a lot, and they and they have more resources, like like straight up, bro. Like, they got they got a lot of money, bro. Like let's not be stupid, you know. They, <laughs> they got big bread. They got big bread. That's why when Kanye said what he said, he lost all all of his money because you know, like yeah. they don't like, like I think like Farrakhan was like, if if how much did he lose, bro? He lost like four hundred million in a day. So, like if you can lose that much in a day based off what you said like is the money even yours bro he
1: lost the billionaire status too like, yeah his the valuation the easy it was, it was yeah. done so yeah exactly
0: but like yeah like the whole point of that what, what I'm trying to say is um is we <laughs> I don't know the whole thing. I, I, no, what I'm trying to say is that we as black people it's, it's sometimes it takes things it takes people like Trump to get in the office to for us to actually wake up and realize yeah. that something is wrong and I feel like sometimes there's going to be like there needs to be like some type of another event for Black people that affects us at a mass level for us to actually wake up and see what's going on and actually want to get educated and actually want to stop the things that are going on in our community. Because, you know, right now I think we suffer from from complacency and that's why we always voting for the for the Democrats or whatever because yeah. you know we're just we're satisfied with the things that they do for us when we have so much more power in this country. You know, like they they de- the, well the Democratic Party depends on our vote. Yeah, absolutely. We are, we are such a big voting block. We 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 vote for them like like eighty percent and above in all national elections. Like that's
1: why like you know they bringing out LeBron and Jay Z to take like exactly because they trying to pander to us. So that's why I say they see the value in our vote, but I don't think that we see the value as you know our voting power.
0: Like sure. we we don't see it, bro. And it's like I feel like. Um, a lot of people will say, well, they'll try to. When when you bring a perspective like this, like, oh, I'm not voting in the election, like, they'll be like, well, I, what's wrong with you? Your ancestors died to to vote. Like, my ancestors didn't didn't die to vote. They they died so they could have a choice. You yeah. know, it's just not. It wasn't. It wasn't like they wasn't dying to to just be a part of this system. Like, yeah. like they, they, they wasn't trying to to just be a part and just and just and just, be, just be a fly on the wall and just watch what's going on. Like. They actually wanted to have a voice. And right now, with how we as black Americans use our voice, it's not the proper way. And I feel like we need to get educated from that standpoint in the history of what's going on and like how we can actually use our vote and use our power to actually get things done in this country. And that's, that's somewhere where I feel like we, we failed and something that we could do better on for real.
1: Yeah. It's interesting you bring up the whole, like, oh, well, you know, our grandparents, they died so they could vote. Because, I mean, a piece of me, that's how I would think. And, I mean, low-key, right now you've changed my perspective a little bit with that slight, you know, distinction with the choice to vote. Because I have a grandmother who, uh, you know, is from Lowndes County, Alabama, mm-hmm. and lived during the, the Civil Rights Movement before she moved to L.A. in 67, 66. But she experienced that Jim Crow laws and segregation and pick Cotton and all of that. So, yeah. as a respect to her, I'm like, you know what, I need to go, you know, do my due diligence on that aspect but yeah like you said we fought to have an actual voice and a control and autonomy in our lives and not you know be subject to whatever policy so i feel like yeah we need to be more direct in what we're doing exactly
0: bro even when you, you look back like before the civil rights movement like from like the 1940s to the 1960s like black people pretty much voted 50 50 down 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 the democratic and republican line and it's like it's definitely differences it's like the parties have changed a lot like yeah. the Republican Party is always is over, is over, is overtly racist now compared yeah. to how they were back then when they know? were the, the party of Lincoln and then they were getting that new identity yeah, so, you and know, then they shifted over they, they shifted over because all the white people who was mad about, about the civil rights progress yeah. gained by black people but like even even with that like like I said bro like these, these like our ancestors bro the people came before us like, they wasn't fighting to just like to just vote, like they wanted to vote, so they could have a voice to make change. You know, it wasn't just about just voting. Period. Getting in bro. the line, I'm in the line. Yeah, it's like know. I'm in the line. I voted. <laughs> like, like if I voted, bro. Like, I think that's uh, that's such as like such, such a naive and, in my opinion, un- uneducated point to take. Just, just using, just trying to gaslight people into voting. You know, because like, like we have we have power, bro. We have we have economic power, we have political power, but we actually got it. Use that shit, bro. Now we do. We do got have economic
1: power, political power. Speaking of which, I just blew a bag at the mall, man. So I'm sorry, everybody, <laughs> that I'm not holding my end of the bargain. So <laughs> you, you you getting clothes for NYU? Yeah, I was getting clothes for New York. I'm trying to develop this new sense of self. And bro, all. me too, bro. I'm trying to wear new clothes and be different. I'm like, I'm in Zara, like looking at shit, like hold on, <laughs> like you know, my chest is gonna be up. Like I'm trying to figure this out, bro. So I don't know.
0: Bro, that's really how I feel, bro. I, like lately, I spent too much of my money on books, but uh, I I want to go. I want to sp- like in this new chapter of my life, being a like John Hopkins, bro. Like I want to actually, I want I want my wardrobe to be like more like adultish, yeah. Instead of just wearing like hoodies and, and, and yeah, like it's exactly. like a graphic tee and, and some some ripped jeans all the time, like I, w- I, I want it to be more like more. Not not saying that stuff isn't like adult, you know. You can wear whatever you want, but like just more, just more like. Semi-professional.
1: Yeah, right, I, I get what you're saying because that's what I'm going for, too. Yeah. Like, that, that polished look, but it's still, like, a casual, polished type. That's what I'm going for. Exactly. But it's funny you mentioned, like, I'm spending too much on books because before we start, I counted the books right here. This is, like, 20, 21 books, literally. And I'm like, how much money do you spend on books, bro? Yeah, that, that's, just what, that's
0: just what you see right here. Like, <laughs> yeah, you have a whole... Exactly, for sure. I, yeah. I, like, it's, it's kind of funny when I... I can't wait to move into my spot in Baltimore So because I'm actually going to be able to have a bookshelf and I'll be, yeah. actually be able to actually be able to count how many books I have. Like, I really got a library for real.
1: You about to be like a pretentious ass black elite. You gonna have <laughs> somebody come to your house and you gonna give them a book. Read this and give me a little report, young man. You know, <laughs> that kind of shit. <laughs> well,
0: I'm not gonna lie. I, I didn't be doing that now, bro. Whenever yeah, you
1: be recommending authors or shit.
0: Whenever people uh, come into the apartment and they ask about my books, like, I'll be like, if they ask a book about a certain topic, of guy, I'll, I'll pull a book out. And be like, yeah, you should I know
1: you like hearing that shit, huh? They be like, you read a lot of books. You probably know, love that. It's like working out now. Like you like that shit. It's like a validation a little bit. Like yes, I do read a lot of books.
0: <laughs> you know, it, it is validation, and Jamal can tell you all about that. Whenever somebody asks about my books, like, like he he know he know I'm sitting. In, if if I can hear him in my room, I'm sitting here grinning, or uh, or when I'm outside, to be like, it'll be like, whose books are these? Like Jamal know I'm about to walk over and exactly, I'm about um, to stroll out with your hands behind your back. Right? <laughs>
1: Well, let me tell you about whose books he's awesome. Shit
0: like that, yeah. Yeah, bro. I mean, it's definitely something I'm, I'm proud about, and I'm not gonna lie. Like, reading has um in the past year, the past year especially as I've taken the acquisition I was more seriously. It's kind of like I'm not gonna say it's it it bleeds a little more into my workout time. It's, yeah. it's, it's a little bit more like there are times like and when I when I wake up in the morning instead of working out, I might I might read then I'll work out um, just because like. I don't know. I I I was saying this on the podcast earlier. Like I treat gaining knowledge like it's a sport. Like like I really want to be the best. I want to I want to be like the best that I can be, bro. Because you know, like it's it's possible, bro. Like I think of somebody like Malcolm X, bro. Like just his his hunger and thirst for knowledge. Like when I when I think of someone like that and how smart he was and how well spoken he was. Like that's somebody who I want to be like for real. And I in order to do that you know but he was in prison for seven years like he ain't have no time but yeah, he to read a lot of spare
1: time on his hands but now I feel you cause I need to spend more of my energy reading but as far as how my brain works and being very curious and love to learn stuff I probably have at least like 403 tabs open on my phone Bro, with questions same, like dude oh my I, god like, questions like well, how does this work and what's up with this and what does that bro i thought i was the only person who did that bro because like you see it t- how how many i got tabs open 412 412 tabs
0: bro because like i was sitting here i remember like i think gavin and Jose was, was looking at my phone they was like damn bro why you got all those tabs open like you don't be closing your tabs and i'd be like bro, i'll be looking up i would be looking up a lot of stuff like And I I never – I don't like to delete my tabs because, like, I might want to go back to the question, even though I never go back to it. Bro, never,
1: ever. But I kind of like it because it's almost like an archive of how you were thinking at a moment because, like, I'll see something. Like, I have this Henrietta Lacks tab open. And Mm -hmm. I remember when I saw that because I was on HBO Max and I think Oprah has, like, a Henrietta Lacks documentary or something. So I'm like, let me see because I know her story, but I wanted to look into it a little bit more. So – yeah it's like you know what i have it open i need to go back to it but i like it because it kind of is like a a screenshot of your mind at a particular moment whatever random day you google something so yeah for sure yeah bro i'll
0: be i'll be googling i'll be googling lot, bro. i'll be, be on wikipedia a yeah. lot like yeah. like i really wikipedia for me like i've gained so much knowledge on wikipedia bro and people really st- try to like discredit me like oh it's just not real it's not by real like authors, but it's like bro like like you you don't just make up like all that information For about no things, bro. Like, yeah. and, and they be having citations and everything, so it's not yeah. like the information is cap, bro. Like, I've learned a lot of my knowledge off of Wikipedia, bro. Like, it's it's crazy, just just going online and finding stuff, bro. Like, yeah. it, it's a it's a the internet is a gay thing, bro. That's
1: why I say it's our equalizer, you know, with the access to information. And like I say, stuff like it's sometimes it's not an excuse to not know something because it's like. You know, you have this
0: right here. Like, bro, we, we got a lot of resources, bro. And I think that when, when it, it, it being an equalizer, I think that one of the things that makes it not an equalizer is that people aren't in the environments where they even want to look up some of these yeah. things. Like, they're not, you know, they don't have a friend like me who's, who's going to ask them deep questions about life or whatever, yeah. you know. They just going to talk about surface-level things and they're not even going to, like, think about those type of questions. Like, some people, like, genuinely think that type of shit is corny. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for
1: sure. I was I've been white my whole life. That's the he white with your white ass. So that's been me forever, bro. And I'm light skinned too. I never get into this shit, but yeah. So I understand that. That's important to to people for sure. That stuff
0: makes me angry, and I swear things like that make me very grateful that I went to like to like a black school. But it was it was more like a private school. Like when I think of the type of kids who went to my school, it was kind of like kids that you, like, kids who went up, who ended up, or kids of the, like, the the Howard and Hampton ilk, you know, like, kids, kids kind of like that, who, who are very smart, but instead of going to PWI, they can, they go more towards, like, the top tier HBCU, or HBCU period, like, and I think that, uh, being around kids like that, like, when I was, when I was younger, I was always, like, very, like, inquisitive, and, like, history was just, just my love from day one, and no one in my class ever bullied me for that, like, I was actually celebrated for that. Like, I remember, like in second grade, like my music teacher was asking me about, like, oh, like one of all the wars, and I'm talking about, oh yeah, the French and Indian War was from 1757 to 1763 or whatever. Like, like all that, all that stuff. And um, I'm just grateful that I didn't have people who bullied me for that, because like, yeah. man, that should be happening, bro.
1: Yeah, I was getting. You know, not super On some, everybody hates Chris, like Caruso knocking the books out your hand and shit, but like, you know, people trying to be funny or family being funny, I for sure had a little bit of that, but yeah, exactly, so I think it's really dumb, it's funny because it's like, fundamentally, you're just saying like being smart, you know, and expressing yourself in an intelligent way, is not black, so that's really crazy, and that's cool, like that was your high school experience, because that definitely wasn't mine, like,
0: grade school experience.
1: Oh, that was grade school. I didn't have any like that because mine was around, you know, like, white kids for elementary school, middle school. So never having that type of thought. Mm -hmm. Mine I thought, and then high school was, like, Latino. So it wasn't really, like, ever black enough for me to have that type of thought. Like, I didn't come from HBCU culture. I didn't know anything, really, about HBCUs. I learned about Howard just randomly. Bro, I didn't know
0: about HBCUs either, bro. I didn't. I didn't. I only knew about Howard because like my my school visited it in a, in, a, in eighth grade for our DC trip, but I didn't really know. I didn't know about like Hampton Fisk. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I had heard of Morehouse because like MLK and stuff like that, but you ain't. I didn't really know about that. And I feel like being from the West Coast, like the HBCU culture is a little different out in the West Coast compared to how it is in the South and the East Coast. Like yeah. it's a lot more prevalent. Like yeah. like you really see like like big like like frat like frat get togethers in the south and the east coast and stuff like that. But out on the west coast, like you you can see that but I know for for me speaking in the Barry standpoint, like the black middle class is very like spread out and like dispersed. Yeah. So like you're not really gonna like see a lot of that stuff. You'll see it in like individuals, like oh like it's like someone so someone's so and so's dad was like an alpha or whatever, you know, like in just that whole culture and some um, it's definitely like it, it, it don't reach us the same. No, not
1: like the South of the East Coast for sure. Cause I didn't have uh, HBC aspirations at all. My dream school was USC up until probably I was like 17, 18. Like I wanted to be a Trojan so bad. And uh, I just, I had to kind of get out of that. Cause I kind I started to see like, you know, how students were treated and more so like what you have to deal with and go through. So I kind of was like, I don't want that to be my life. Cause I remember asking my dad, I was like, well dad, you know, how am I going to grow being around one type of people? He was like, you know, for you to really understand the world, you need to understand who you are as a person, as a black man, and really understand your surroundings to thrive and to grow in this world. And my dad went to UCSB. He didn't go to HBCU. So when he told me that, that really opened my eyes up. And I I was sold at that point. And I'm grateful and glad because I got to meet people like you and other critical thinkers. and have certain professors that kind of like literally flipped my thinking upside down. So that's something that's, you know, invaluable.
0: Just know. Yeah, bro. I definitely think that you're, you're going to see this for the next five weeks. When you are at NYU, bro, like you're, you're really going to see how valuable your your HBCU and Howard education oh, yeah. has been, bro. Cause when I was at Johns Hopkins last week, bro, like, I really like saw how, how, how different I was compared to the other black people there, you know? And they were super cool, bro. Like, I mean, like super dope, but I can just tell like, just like more of like a sense of like, 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 Racial pride like just like just really in touch with who I am and especially within my blackness like just like a a different sense Like a different type of confidence in talking about black issues like like so a lot of black people They'd be scared to say the word black Let's say shit like people of color and all that like bro Now I'll say like how can we advance black people like I'm not I'm not I'm not saying people of color and it's it's not It's not that I don't want people of other all people of color to succeed but when it comes to to the things and all the everything that I'm passionate about learning like I, I'm passionate about getting black people up because our certain set of, our certain set of circumstances are completely unique to any other racial group in this country, whether that's like Asian Hispanics and all that, and all that like they have issues, but ours go back hundreds of years, bro and I feel like For sure. something that irks me about diver- diversity equity inclusion programs, I feel like they um, sometimes I feel like they don't focus on black people enough, you know when, when you look at everything like we are systemically, Disadvantaged the most and and these what the we are what these programs were made for Like when they made all these programs in the 60s and 70s like they was they was thinking this was like a form of quote-unquote reparations for black people trying to get people to these spaces and I think that um Our society is just so politically correct now. We kind of just we ignore a lot of that stuff Which is why I feel like which is part of the reason why I feel like black people's position ain't really changing in this country
1: Yeah I had a question about your path, though, because with myself, i thought, like, you know, coming from where I come from, I want to be able to make a difference and impact people's lives, especially black people's lives, so we don't have to continue the same type of pattern of, you know, poverty, jail, etc. But I don't want to do this in the traditional or expected, like, political format, like, I'm going to be a congressman, because I, I don't believe in that type of system, <laughs> honestly. So what you wanted to you know, have a similar goal as me, how do you see yourself executing that? Because I I would assume you don't want to be
0: a congressman and run for congress. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. You know, it's kind of funny. Like, I I say I have this podcast because, like, I... I could easily, someone could easily cancel me if I became a congressman for things that I've said on here. Not, not even just crazy things. Just, just things like I'm saying right now, like about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Like, yeah. someone could look at me back in the, in the future, in the, in the future, and be like, "Oh, well, uh, he don't like, he don't like his Spanish or something like that." Yeah, which I is, was in an Uber, like, man, I'm about to get canceled. So. <laughs> you know, but it, but it's like I don't, um, I. <laughs> I think, you know, a lot of, not all, but a lot of black congressmen and uh, you know, women, kind of, they, they be selling out to the big oh, corporations, sorry. like, not even just black ones, like congress people, period. Like, they be selling out to all the big corporations, like, uh, you know, who, who give them money to, to talk about certain issues or not talk about certain issues or, yeah. or get certain, or certain legislation signed, like, even with the whole military-industrial complex, bro, like, the reason why that complex is so, like, influential and has so much money is because these politicians are getting paid by companies like like Lockheed Martin to, to keep their mouth shut, you know, but in the context of, like, what you asked me about, like, how do I envision myself um, being a servant of the community? I would say it's just, right now, I, like, my form right now just kind of trying to be, like, in some ways, trying to get, trying to influence um, how people are thinking because I feel like a lot of the things that I say a lot of the thoughts that I say like aren't really being um, aren't really being said in public like that I feel like there are a lot of black men who feel like how I feel and I feel like I, 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 I see them all the time and it's like I feel like they're just so, so scattered you know it's kind of like yeah. you're afraid to to give that opinion so I feel like for me it's, it's trying to like not to be afraid of talking about the things that I'm passionate about and the things that I've learned about because you know like it's it's very it's very real to me and I think that Just kind of being, like, I feel like being, like, an educator in some way. And that isn't for me. I don't think that means being, like, a college professor or, like, a teacher. But just being somebody who educates people on what's going on. And, like, and also just just being one with the community. Like, as I get older and, like, and I I discover myself and my path more, I definitely would love to get involved, be involved with, like, more community organizations. Like, organizations that, that are actually doing something for black people. And hopefully one day I get to start my own organization, bro, where, like, I something whatever something that I identify as issue within the black community, how can I directly solve this issue with, with 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 whatever that may be? And I don't know what that is right now, but I definitely don't see myself going through the the path of politics in order to do that. Even though I was a political science major, yeah. um, I think that you know it's kind of funny. Like something that you're gonna notice at NYU, bro, is like your education here at Howard is, is very very black and oh, and and you like i feel like sometimes while you're in this situation you don't really notice that as much you know you kind of just look at it as like your regular college education but it's like like bro you you didn't major in political science but you took 24 credits in that shit yeah, so I'm like sure. so like you you took a lot of classes and you notice like in those classes like a lot of them have to do with race like race is a very big foundation and principle of those classes while at pwy's like in political science and those courses they are they're not really talking about race like that, bro. Like they're talking about like 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 methods and, and all the, and just all the numbers and just all the yeah. all, all the very like all the very white things of political science, which I feel like something else that separates us and it makes me understand even more that my education here as a political science major was not to go be a congressperson like a lot of people assume what that's for is yeah. it's for me just to, to become more politically educated like, like Doctor Harris, bro. Um, what classes do you have with him? did you have you just had, the one that you and I okay today. so black political theory like an intro to political theory bro like something that I've learned is that other people at PWIs they'll learn about like like Plato and, and all those ancient philosophers who kind of exactly. introduced that stuff like Dr. Harris is teaching us about like 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 I'm Hotep and all those like ancient Egyptian yeah, philosophers
1: because that's what we were going over in the class too like yeah it, the Greek philosophers that are credited with you know inventing political science and a lot of those type of like fields Where did that originate? So yeah, we definitely were going back and looking at some of those Egyptian scholars. So that was really interesting. And that was stuff like my dad taught me, but just kind of in theory a little bit, but we were actually going back and seeing it and breaking it down. So I'm like, oh, like my dad not lying. So yeah, that was was really cool. But it's interesting because my mind is kind of like all over the place, but I definitely feel you because even with me being a lawyer, if you want to make change, it's almost expect, like, Oh, you are gonna go do civil rights law and go make fifteen thousand dollars a year? Hell, no. I'm <laughs> not. But I'm, I want to be as successful as I can financially. But I still want to use my resources to, you know, be able to uplift people that look like me and come from what I come from. So I think definitely like a nonprofit or something in the future to where I can use my resources, my education, my expertise, and use that to help and bring somebody else along. I think that would be dope. And then another thing I was thinking, too, is, like, it's so interesting because, you know, we do learn about political science and a lot of, you know, these social issues just from a context of race and blackness. stuff yeah. we've experienced, but you kind of learn about it from a more formal and educational standpoint. And I think a lot of us have that realization because, like, you have some people that come from suburban communities white communities to where they wasn't exposed to this at all mm-hmm. and you have the kids from the inner cities that lived it but you don't even know how to put words into it so yeah. they kind of allow you to like formulate that into real thought but it's just interesting that a lot of you know politicians that come from Howard I wonder where do they lose that along the way I never thought of that you know, because you know Kamala has felt, she had to feel inspired at some point like I'm black and I'm proud I'm trying to do what I can and then you kind of lose sight of that along the way I don't know if it's the money
0: or just, you know, your own political ambition, but, you know, I got to be some type of pivot to it. Bro, that's, that's something I think about a lot as well. Like, where do you, where do you lose that as a black politician? Because, like, a lot of these politicians get into these spaces so so they can actually make change. Like, it's not like they, a lot of them have, like, holistic intentions, you know, and it's like, I, I really can't explain what, what what makes them lose that and so honestly if you ask one of them they might even they might not even feel like they changed. You know, and it's like but but we can see that. I think I don't know, I think one of the things that makes them change is like they I think they just get corrupted by the money, bro, for real. Like correct and corrupted by the influence and the power that comes with the position that they hold.
1: Yeah, I think it's the money and also like that ambition of like, okay, I know if I wanna have a long, sustainable political career I gotta turn some of this shit down. I gotta, you know, be more in the middle, or you know what I mean. Like if mm-hmm. you're super liberal and I want to fight and do this, you got to kind of mellow
0: it down a little bit. So that's how I feel for sure. Exactly, bro. And I think that the the mellowing it down is, is a reason why I feel like I, I, I can I couldn't be a politician because like I feel like I really I could run as a politician and I would definitely win. Like I like public speaking. I feel like my personality fits one of a politician, but. Um, one thing that that don't feel me about a politician is like them niggas be lying a lot, oh, yeah. and I, I couldn't bring myself and yeah,
1: flip flopping and all that. Yeah, I
0: couldn't yeah. Even just bring myself to just like cap to to thousands of people, millions of people on, on the daily, bro. Like,
1: and I'm thinking of people mellowing down. Is AOC still in office?
0: Um, I'm not sure.
1: She was always in the news for some. She was turned up. I ain't heard her name in the news in a long time. So right. it's like you kind of lose that fire to you a little. I don't know what it
0: is. She tired or what? Like, um bro, also like just to move up in these in these spaces, you kinda have to like Yeah, exactly. You have to you have to mellow down a little bit. Assimilate, you gotta figure something out. You know, and that's not something that I that I wanna do, bro. I just I can't see myself doing that. And kind of what you said earlier, bro, you said like you don't wanna be a civil rights lawyer, but like the type of law that you're doing, like even you don't even have to make a change in law, like like you just being a Howard graduate, bro, like it already holds a lot of weight, bro. Like you can make change in, in plenty of ways that, that you're not even, that are, that are outside of, of your, of your profession. Like there are so many ways that you can do that. And we need black people in all of those sectors, you know, exactly. it's like, we don't, we don't just need black people in like being politicians and civil rights. And we don't need them all in that sector. Cause there's black people everywhere, bro. Like yeah. I mean, these problems exist everywhere. Like, like this it's it's not, it's not just like, and that's, that's one of the things like people think that, um, our biggest issues are just with like the law and everything like bro like this stuff is happening in like daily life bro like white white supremacy is a systemic thing yeah you know it it, it goes deeper than just um than just like overt overt racism exactly it's
1: a lot of stuff you know they talk about what you eat and i talk about like becoming more aware of structural racism and the systemic but like Food deserts, I've lived in a food desert to where you know we don't have a lot of grocery stores or healthy options, but we got like A&T, which is a burger place, we got the McDonald's Taco Bell, Del Taco, whatever, you know, so it's, we got all fast food, and it's like, you know, that's intentional. Cause it's not like that in other places in LA. Like, you know, as you go farther west, Culver City, Santa Monica, West LA, etc., you know, it's a lot of the that's where the typical LA avocado to avocado toast stuff come from. Because when people talk about that and ask me that, I'm like, oh, no, we don't have that in my community. Like, we got straight filth. You feel me so Straight
0: filth, bro. And it's like exactly. that for a reason, bro. Like, like, you don't see no damn, like, liquor stores, strip clubs, oh, like, yeah. like all that other entertainment. You don't see all that type of stuff in white communities, bro. You don't see that. Yeah. Like, they they, they plant that stuff in our community. Yeah, liquor store. Yeah, exactly. That's another one. Exactly. Like, but you don't see, like, industrial zones in white communities, bro. They, they put that stuff where all, where all the niggas are, bro. Yeah.
1: And even uh, for like one internship I had last year, but it was more from like a health equity DEI type of role for me But mm-hmm. this is stuff like like I said you live it But you get to actually learn about it because I was learning about like the life expectancy Like even like okay the people that live in this part of DC they got a five-year shorter life expectancy than people that live over here. Mm-hmm. And I understand all oh, this happened in L.A. Too. Like, it makes sense. Like, oh, this is designed. It's meant yeah. to kill you off. It's meant to do all. So, yeah, for sure, I understand that.
0: And that's the thing, bro. Like, when I talk about, like, when people talk about this, this like, systemic racism, like, they don't have dudes like Ben Shapiro who try to, like, like dis- dismantle and, and, and try to act like it's not real. Yeah. But it's, like, people, and I think black people, we have this issue of thinking that I don't Black, Black people know it's more, than, it's more than this But we have the issue of, of believing What we See Too much It's like Let me explain Like We 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 are so quick To get going to outrage If we like If we see somebody Saying like a racial slur Or something like that Or we're so quick To go into outrage If, if we If we are able to see or hear Like people Just doing overtly Racist things But we ignore all the systemic things you know like 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 the hood and how how bad hoods are across america like when we never really think about that stuff we kind of accept it as it is and just and like we we're not going to protest over that type of stuff Uh we we don't like most black people don't even even be tripping about that stuff right
1: and it's like it's so crazy too because even like at late, bro like now you know you got gentrification and white folks that's coming They saw a value in a community that we saw no value in. So it's like, that's intentional. Like, you know, we look at the hood like, okay, the hood always gonna look like this. Even though Inglewood is kind of nicer for, all. you know, it's a little farther west. There's certain parts, but certain parts of South Central that's deeper entrenched, like that's more quote-unquote ghetto or hood, like they coming and taking that too. It's like, we didn't even see the value and the beauty in our own community. But you know, they'll come and take it from me. So yeah, you know, we're not, or a lot of people are not aware, you know, of what's going on around them and how to make an actual difference.
0: Exactly, bro. And that's the thing about like when, when we want to change our condition. I feel like uh, I was, when I was talking to Dean Ray about this, like it it's, it's, it starts to start with a mindset shift, mm-hmm. you know. Like if if we in like a mindset shift, and I feel like that comes with education, which which is why I'm so big about like teaching people and like getting people to mm-hmm. understand what's actually going on, because like our problems aren't gonna get solved if if we if we don't think anything of ourselves, like if we, if, if we think we're going to struggle our whole lives and think we're going to like end up and just end up in jail or something like that, like you, you're you going to end up becoming, you're going to fit that stereotype. And I feel like we, a lot of black people, we're in environments to where like learning isn't really looked at as like something that's cool or like, it's not something that, that you should do. Like you just you should just be like an athlete or a rapper. And it's like, I feel like that's something that we definitely need to, um, I, it's it's definitely a difficult thing to like go about cuz like how do you change an environment? But it's like I feel like those are things that we need to start with, you know This is getting this games getting, getting this information out there and there's a lot of black people who are on the ground doing that
1: Yeah, exactly like that's the whole emphasis what I was talking about earlier about that belief within yourself, you know, but Like I think it's an individual thing like it starts with you and then if you can, you know, try to change one person at a time and, you know, get your message out on a wider scale and get other people to see the value within themselves and, you
0: know, I feel like hopefully over time we can make something happen for sure. Yeah, bro, it's, it's definitely going to happen, man. But, like, there's something else I wanted to talk about. Like, you talked about L.A. a lot in this, in this podcast. And, like, you... Um, I only want to get, like, a, a, a clear understanding of, like, what was it like to grow up in, in L.A.? Like, because you always brag about how it's better than the Bay Area, which oh, is... Oh, hell yeah, it's oh, better than, it? I think, every major city in the country. we just you. You so unique. it's so swagged out. Yeah.
1: Bro, we done, we've done, we done it so many times. Okay, well, you think of California. What you think? The Bay or LA? Everybody tell y'all it's LA, uh, of, you get this defeated look. Well, uh, 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 for sure. Um, of
0: course they're going to say LA, bro. Like, yeah. Hollywood and all that, all that shit is there, bro. Like, of course they're going to say LA.
1: I didn't grow up, like, from Los Angeles because at Howard, you got a lot of, like, you know, rich niggas or whatever, so... A lot of Valley kids or a lot of kids that grew up relatively well. So, I got to see it from the other side. I've seen it from more of a bird's eye view. Because, like, I went to school in white neighborhoods and better neighborhoods. But i lived in the bad neighborhoods. And mm-hmm. I've lived and moved so many times throughout my life. So, I feel like I've gotten a great grasp on the city. But, yeah, I mean, LA is dope, bro. And what was it like growing up?
0: Because, like, like, in my podcast with the Ahmad, I was talking about, like, how... How, I don't know how Fontana kind of compared to L.A. And you was like, you, you felt like you had, a, you had an oh, issue yeah, with I
1: that. Because I think, I mean, Fontana don't compare to L.A. No, this fucking Fontana. Like, <laughs> 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 or just the I.E. Like, with a shout-out to the I.E. But, like, it's L.A. It has a glamour. That's why even, like, bro, I never thought of this like that. Or I have thought, of, but it, it took time. But people from the I like okay guys, we're going to LA like we're gonna go to the
0: beach and it's a
1: big deal But for us it's right there. So it's kind of like you don't see the significance in that Yeah. but for me growing up in the city like I Felt like it made me so smart because it was so much shit that we had to be keen to like Whether it was the racism or like, you know, the gang culture gang violence and stuff that you it made you grow up quick so even me like i'm a relatively mild mannered dude and you know pretty like approachable and nice and shit but i definitely being in them type of environments made me sharp so i had that type of regard and it it just made me so you know vigilant and being able to see like the tale of two cities and like Mm -hmm. understanding like this shit is not right because for example like i have lived on like the east side of south central right so like farther north like they call the low bottoms right off like King and Hooper right there. So in that part of the hood is fucking grimy. They say the east side very grimy. It's very the way it seems is grimy cuz it's farther from like the better sides of town than like a Ballin Hills or like you know the Crenshaw district. Mm-hmm. Crenshaw district damn near it's, it kind of touches like Culver City so it's kind of nicer. Yeah. Like Leimert Park that shit is nice, but the east side a lot of east side is fucking terrible. But the east side is bad but you can see like the downtown la skyline from there shit. so it make you think like this shit is all this money there and kobe didn't play there but my shit is bad so it kind of you know it made me very like i don't know just aware bro and even like i said i was a big usc fan when i lived on the east side i was big into usc football period my whole life but we would watch the football games on tv abc you know saturday and shit. so they would show the Goodyear blimp on tv right And I would look up out my little window, I would see the Goodyear blimp right there because I live so close to USC. But even in my USC personal statement, I did the whole boys in the hood fucking spiel, like, because USC sits in the hood. But it's like, even though I sit in the hood, it's kind of like a beacon of hope to people that live there because, you know, you see all the opportunity and money that's associated with that and, you know, just success. So that was something I wanted to be a part of. But yeah, growing up in LA, definitely like, it made me smart, make you vigilant, you gotta stay on your toes, but at the same time, you uh, we got a different kind of swag to us, bro. I don't know what it is. A lot of people like will come to me like, you from California, you from LA. I can tell just the way you are. So I don't know, bro. I feel like we the best city in America. New York <laughs> people way too turned up for me on average. I don't like that kind of shit. So Bay people is cool, but it's kinda of interesting because the Bay. You're on a Bay nigga podcast, right? I now. am on a Bay. Shout out to the Bay. I like the Bay. I like the, the <laughs> Oakland shit. I like the way y'all talk and the damn shit hard. But I say LA and, and like the Bay is damn near like Coke and Pepsi. And I'ma explain. So Coke is the number one like beverage, right? But Pepsi compare themselves to Coke and they try to, you know, talk shit about Coke. But Coke not even bothering you or listening <laughs> to you niggas. So Bay niggas be all oh, LA niggas like this, but we never talked about Bay <laughs> niggas. I didn't even know there was an LA Bay rivalry until like my 12th grade of high school because uh, somebody I knew went to UC Santa Cruz and he was like, Oh, yeah, they don't like the Dodgers. You're
0: you a Dodgers fan, like, you, you don't be talking about like, nah, the we don't give a shit.
1: Like, I didn't, I mean, I was into baseball, like, I wasn't an avid baseball fan, yeah, I'm a Dodger fan, you feel me, so mm. I, I see. The Dodger shit, and as I grew older, I could see like the giant Dodger type of rivalry. But overall, like, we don't really do we say beat the bay? You niggas say beat LA. It's beat that's because Be y'all L-A. hate it. Be they L-A. say beat LA. They, they defeated within themselves, like we was talking about, you know, that insecurity from within. <laughs> <laughs> so you trying to tear down a whole other bad niggas talking talk about beat LA. So, because you know, like, I'm a Steph Curry guy, I love the Warriors, but. When I hear that B.L.A. shit, that shit make me hope Steph and them get fucking ran over like I'm not fucking
0: with it. Like. I mean, bro, cause it's like um, we just be feeling like we overlooked a little bit, you know? But damn. Uh, every, everybody look at it, Everybody look at L.A. like being at Howard. Sometimes people would be like, sometimes people might, 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 they might mistake and be like, oh, you from you from L.A.? I'm like, I like, <laughs> From, from San Francisco, around from the Bay, bro. Like, yeah, that's funny as yeah. people, hell. Uh, people don't be known, but when they actually go to San Francisco, they, they see that's it's well, the most beautiful city in California, one oh, of right? the most beautiful up. cities in California, period. Really, in, the, in, the, in the country, the world, period. Like, straight up.
1: I was rocking with you, but you kind of lost me with that one. But now, y'all, I mean, LA is, or sorry, see, I, I'm thinking California. I said LA. <laughs> but California is so diverse, like, geographically culturally so it's like we don't even feel damn near united like it feel like two whole separate states but you know I definitely see a lot of appreci- I've never been to the Bay but I see a lot of like appreciation
0: for the Bay and the culture you, you, you need you to get out, out of your ignorance you, you, you need to you need to see why like right, Akil described this perfectly he was like like LA is more like when when people think of it it's more like like glitz and glam and stuff like that yeah. like very like to a lot of tourist attractions like the Bay Area is like a lot more of like a niche type of like type of um vibe. Like a lot of like I'm not gonna say like small like small stores, but you're gonna find like like a lot of like I like 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 nooks and crannies type of stuff. Like a lot of little like just 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 just, just subtle instances of culture. Like this very just it's a lot it's more it's more cultured, I'll say that. Damn, he said more
1: culture? now I was really rocking with you. This nigga said more culture, but I don't know, I feel like That is definitely true with the association. People do the glitz and glamour Hollywood shit. But it's like, that is, you know, a stark and distant reality for a lot of people that's from the city. Like I lived in a place that wasn't close to Hollywood at all. So I remember my first time I went to Hollywood, I was like six or seven. And that shit blew my mind because we drove to some shit that I saw on TV that I thought was far as fuck. I'm like, this shit right here. So, that kind of blew my mind, but I feel like we definitely have a lot of pockets and uh, history and culture that a lot of people don't even realize. Like, I'm talking about South Central and Central Avenue. Like, back in the day, during, like, you know, the Civil Rights Movement, Central Avenue was a big deal. There was something, what's that hotel called? The Dunbar Hotel. Mm. But Martin Luther King, them stayed at the Dunbar, Central was popping. That shit damn near was, like, that little strip... Was Almost like how Harlem was not on that scale, but to some extent like it had that type of Respect and allure to it. So I feel like we got a lot of history in LA and culture that people don't even be like really aware of yeah. and it's funny cuz it's like I, I,
0: I knew he's gonna say all this to me I knew he's gonna the let me people that culture. come and
1: move to LA. They'll say certain Oh, LA don't got this They don't got that but you you not from there You don't know what we have, you know cuz you know I don't know you've yeah. been here for three years or some shit So you don't understand like the levels to it and the yeah. history and the cult. Like, you can't appreciate it. I can appreciate it because my grandmother moved to L.A. in the 60s, and my mom grew up through the 60s, 70s, 80s, and my brother lived through the 90s and 2000s. and So I kind of have that appreciation for history, too, and I've always been a history buff, whether it's on a South Central or Los Angeles, California scale, global, uh, countrywide type of scale, but that's kind of what drew... My passion for law is understanding. Like you kind of see the trends and shit, and realize mm. like you know, seeing the matrix for what it is. It's like somebody ought to break this shit.
0: Right. Like, what do you, what do you think is like the most appealing thing to you about wanting to become a lawyer? Like, what, like in terms of like the actual study of law, what do you find the most interesting about it?
1: What I find the most interesting about law, I'm not gonna say like I, I want to be like I want to be the best legal scholar. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it's like the opportunity. And what you can be, because it's like with that JD, it's like you can damn near do whatever you want to do. Whether you want to get into music, real estate, yeah. film, television, whatever space you want to get into, that's what really draws me to it. Because I feel like a person like me, it's kind of hard to put me in a box, even like myself. Like what I like, what my passions are. I'm so I'm yeah, interested too. in so many things. So it's like I like the appeal of okay, I damn near can go into any type of field. With the jd because you can go into medicine with that shit and be like you know that medical type exactly Mm -hmm. fucking with big pharma if that's what you into so you know if say you an engineer or you like in bio you you limit it to one scope yeah but when you have a background like a jd that law degree you can do damn near anything you want with it so that's kind of what makes me feel optimistic about my career because even like bro graduating with my degree like in legal communications it's kind of limited with what we can do like when it's time to get like real jobs and shit you yeah. know so I feel like I'm excited cause like I feel like that's gonna change for me shortly so for sure that's what it draws me most to like the legal field
0: bro that's that's real bro like I, I definitely sympathize with you a lot in terms of like having a lot of different passions that's why I mean I be doing a lot of stuff bro like on my podcast like I like me being at Hopkins and stuff like that like this, everything I, I like to kind of cater to my interests in some way. Like, I don't want to be just in a box. And that's something that I was kind of scared of, like, like, the whole year thinking about, like, post-graduation plans. Bro, I didn't really know what I was going to do, where I was going to be at. Like, I just knew I didn't want to just be in a box. Like, and even, I know I just didn't want to be no damn, like, politician or whatever, bro. Because, yeah. like, because there was people telling me that, like, oh, yeah, you should, you should go into politics, like, find, like, a little, like, do, just do, like, go to, like, a little, like, local campaign organization and just be part of that. And I'm like, bro, I can... I can do so much more than that like right now like i don't need to i don't need to wait a few years like i have things i can do right now and i just i can't be in that box but i just can't
1: no i feel you bro like even talking about my background my dad went to college my mom went to usc she didn't graduate from usc but she went the jc route but other than like them i did not have college influence like my brother my cousins my uncles and aunties my grandmother did not go to school and wasn't educated you know, with a higher type of education, secondary education, so mm-hmm. I didn't understand that, and a lot of my family don't understand the possibilities with life and with what you want to do with the career, because, like, for example, I've worked for the NFL, I really like sports, and, you know, even, like, sports law, potentially, as a career. My brother in oh, you could be an agent. I'm like, bro, I could be the fucking commissioner. Like, you know, we think it's so small, like, you gotta think big, bitch. You gotta think big, like, I could be fucking good or silver like i could shit we could own a team like for real the niggas talking about being an agent i gotta work for the player and shit like nah bro we bigger than that so Man, we
0: bigger like we gotta we gotta think bigger yeah, bro. like, it's, like it's, it's levels to it for real
1: people like oh no but sometimes with black people it's like we wasn't exposed to this shit you know as far as like possibility. so it's like the easy thing oh wow, i could be a politician i could be like fucking the people i see on tv it's like Man, you could be a whole fucking leader of a movement out here bro like all type of shit you could do so, it's, yeah.
0: it's so much more than that bro and i feel like um that's something that i never kind of saw when i was growing up like i never really seen like college professors like that when i was growing up bro like i didn't really know that uh that, was, that could ever be a potential path for me but as i was going through this stuff and like talking to dr harris like he was talking about like being a teacher was like one of the best decisions he ever made like being he said his work schedule was pretty smooth like he said he only got to work like like three days a week you know stuff like that just a lot of different perks and then also just having your own time to like research and just study which is which is what i love to do um i think that you're not you are not always exposed to that type of stuff like going for like a, a lot of kids don't really get the opportunity to go to college so when they see teacher they think like high school teacher or like grade school teacher which is like which is not something that i want to do just because like the things I like to talk about and learn about, like I feel like those are concepts like past high school yeah, exactly. Like, and then you know, sure we from California,
1: but you know other school systems across the country they limited the type of shit that yeah. you can talking about. So for sure, like I feel like being at college gives you a lot more flexibility to you know kind of put your own imprint on students in a way and not be confined to some political type of constraint or some shit like that. Cause they can tell you what's allowed and what's not allowed in the school to read, so it's like you know what I mean. Like,
0: that's crazy, bro. Yeah, bro, that, that stuff is real, bro. And it's like, it's just we've got to make sure that we can't allow ourselves to be to be put in a box and and just 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 strive for greatness, bro. And like, really look at just be become those become those those potential role models that people can like look at and be like, oh okay, like I can be like him when I get older. Like I don't gotta just stick to the box of, like, being a politician or, like, a rapper or an athlete or it's whoever I see on TV, like, there's so much more than that, bro, and that's something that, um, Dr. Calvin Hadley, um, he's a, he's the, 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 the overhead of the man of the Mecca, he was saying that, like, he graduated with a political science degree, and now he's making six figures as, like, in the office of the president, like, like, they made a department for him, and then they asked him, like, how much do you want to get paid, like, like, these, like, a lot of people don't understand about, like, like, these professional black men who you don't see, like, they really have, like, like, there are pathways to that type of success, but people kind of think that the only way that you can make money or have success is by, like, getting a business degree or something like that, yeah, you exactly. know? And there's so many avenues that you can go down if, if you just, if you just really, I'm not even going to say research, but just talk to the right people and understand what, what is possible for you, for real. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I agree 100%. You know. Like,
0: it's a real thing, like, something else that i kind of wanted to ask you was like what while you've been at howard like is there any like what do you think that over the past four years i'm trying to think of the right way to ask this question but like especially particularly like in the last like two years like what has been something that's like stood out to you the most like something that you've learned the most or a group of people that, that you've been around that really like taught you something like that have really been valuable in your life for real like What's, like, a big takeaway that you can take away from this experience? As far my life? subject matter
1: or, like, life lessons or what specifically?
0: Um, I feel like this is, like, anything for real. Like, what are just big takeaways for real? Life lessons for sure is discipline, working hard,
1: and, um, you know, trying to be the best person I can be. At Howard, we have a lot of, like, the Howard Hustle and trying to make your own way and, and do it big on campus. So, you know, like I was saying, because shout out the homie Naheem and all them, but he's somebody like this, very visible on campus and he does all that. But, you know, in addition to being, you know, a leader on campus, he still take care of what he got to do as far as school and his grades. And you are somebody like that too, to where I'm seeing, you know, you a guy that's, you go to the library but you still have a good time you know people mess with you you're real cool but you holding your grades up too so you know I'm somebody that I, I care about grades but just yeah. when I first got to college I was just coasting by like that first semester so I had like a three six my shit wasn't terrible but I see people flexing 4.0's and shit I'm like nah I'll never let nobody make me feel like I'm less than that. so that should turn the switch on to me and then I end up graduating you know with seven straight four like I, I haven't had a B in Daniel with 2019, bro. Yeah, that's
0: impressive, bro. That's but, really impressive.
1: Yeah, that's something just that discipline and just creativity, too. Like I said, making your way. Like we all do our own thing on campus or whatever we do. So having that creativity to car- carve out your own path and that ambition, and that I think that's something that I'm learning too because I never wanted to be. The vocal student leader type of dude. I always wanted to, you know, take care of my business and my responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes, you know, just comparing yourself to people. You're like, damn, I could be doing the shit that they're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, bro,
0: I I feel the same way. I could be a
1: leader. I could be a stupid popular on campus and all that. But I just, I've started to understand, like, you know, with in your lane and understanding, like, you know, this shit is going to blossom and bloom for me too. So basically sticking to my guns and doing it like the quiet way, working hard and even people saying stuff to me like, Oh, you know, y'all don't be flexing y'all accomplishments, like trials is super prestigious and all that But it's like I feel like me just keeping my head down, keeping shit to myself and holding up my end of the bargain as far as my work and my personal shit is paid like, you know, dividends for me and that's something that I wanna continue
0: to do. Just keep that grind and that mentality going. Facts bro like everybody has their own path for real, bro. Yeah. Like like I I I post like books and stuff like that on my story, but people don't really know how much I actually read for real. Like I like I dedicate a lot of hours to this stuff, bro. And it's like this the whole premise of you know, like keeping your head down and just and just grinding and stuff like that, bro. Like I'll post me in the gym sometimes, but like I don't I don't post it. Like I don't every time I'm in the gym, I don't post it. You know, yeah. it's like just trying to like just just stay locked in and focus. And honestly, there are times where like. I feel like I could have been like a bigger student leader on campus with like just like my opinions and things that I, that I that I advocate for, but it's like at the same time it's like I know that that's not something that I really ever wanted to do. Like if I wanted to do it, I, I would have did it. Yeah, I felt
1: the same way. I just feel like I feel like I'm social to an extent, but that just wasn't what I wanted to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like a lot of stuff. Not you know disparaging anybody who does that. I just feel like some of it is disingenuous, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to do that kind of shit, bro. Like, uh, as far as even student leaders, like, we got a lot of passionate student leaders on campus, but, like, you know, how much bullshit do we still endure as students here? So, well, shit, I'm a graduate now, but, you know, like, how much did we have to go through as students despite how passionate student leaders were and shit? So I feel like, you know, shit, like, we got to figure out something else to do, or at least I will. Y'all can do that shit. I'm going to go just work on myself, so yeah.
0: I mean, bro, it's like, the student leaders, some of them can't even really like say what's going on because they are getting paid by the university, you know. Like oh they, hell yeah, we like, saw that
1: with the uh, with the whole dorm situation
0: and that little settlement. Like they
1: couldn't talk about certain terms and conditions. Yeah. Like, they're signing NDAs and shit. Man. you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, bro. And I, I was at Blackburn, bro. I was I was there I was there a lot, bro. And it's like it's kind of it's just unfortunate to like I'm not saying when the movement ended in failure or anything, but like to to go through all the things that they went through, sleeping out Like, we literally ain't had Blackburn for, like, two months. Yeah. You know, like, them are the end the rest of the semester. And I think it's um just just for, like, them to go through all that and not being able to, like, talk about the Yeah, because the, the, the whole point of the, like, of the
1: uh, not the whole point of the takeover, but a major facet, to my fucking knowledge, was transparency. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. we need to see what's going on, and we, right? And then that's a major tenet of what we fighting for, what they were fighting for and then uh, you know they silence you and, and dangle some shit in front of your head that's what I think we talking about with the politicians what keep people quiet and kind of you know gets them to settle down I feel like a shit like that they dangle something over your head you can't refuse it's Oh shit I gotta go jump on that
0: yeah, everybody got a price bro and it's like it's yeah, unfortunate yeah. that a lot of these people sell out bro cause you know I I I feel like a lot of that comes from like not really truly understanding why you're doing what you're doing? and When I talked about people getting paid, like oh, I wasn't even talking about from the settlement standpoint. I'm talking about actual like, like, like Houston president, like that. They, they have a salary, you know, like they, like they get they get paid a bag by by Howard, you know, like you like you're not gonna say you, you can only say so much about the school and how it's being run, you know, and you know like don't bite the hand that feeds you, yeah, exactly, which I feel yeah. like makes it difficult. And even though the whole standpoint of like student leaders, um, I think I've said this in the podcast before, like. It seems like a lot of them run just for like resume building and stuff yeah, like that.
1: We've talked about that in our personal lives. Just even yeah. like This shit is to make you look good for the next thing you want to do. Which is dope. But just, you know, like on a personal level, like shit, that's cool. You can do whatever you want to do to maximize your chances at success. but From a standpoint of, you know, making a difference. It's like, I would say some niggas don't really I'm not, I don't know, bro. And that's the thing, bro. <laughs> like
0: for me, like anything that I want to do in my life is authentic, bro. Like. Everything I wanted to be true to who I am and true to myself and feel like I'm actually making a difference in some way. And, like, for me, like, this year, like I was part of Men of the Mecca. Like I was a, I was the director of the Mentorship Committee. And, like, that experience, like, our events, like, they wouldn't be, like, packed out and everything like that. But the people who, who put up, like, there used to be some events that had a lot of people show up. And, like, I really feel like I was able to, like, make an impact on people with the words that I said. And, like, even if they don't remember the words that I said, the rise of now, like, just the impact that I made in that moment, yeah. And like just bring, just be, having a positive, bringing a positive force to campus, and that's that's really what that's really what this shit is about, for real, bro. It's not about all the, like who who who, who giving out who giving out the the most donuts or whatever on the yard. I like was literally here.
1: about to say donuts when you said donuts. That's crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like for real. Fucking yeah. Sephora bags, or you know what I mean. You know. Shout out to y'all, but you know, like it's not about that. Cause I was taught, bro. I'm very cynical, like. I was taught what a lot of shit. Even like as a little kid, my parents like watching American Idol. This shit is a popularity contest. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what a lot of this shit is, you know. So hey, yeah, it is what
0: it is, so. You know, and it's like I, I just, it's it's nothing. It's nothing wrong with that stuff, bro. But it seemed like a lot of this stuff was a popularity contest, and I really like realized that it's like you not. Yeah, you're not gonna win nothing if if people don't don't really know you like that, oh, hell you know? or like or if you're not trying to give them something. That's something that I really realized at Howard. Like people at Howard do not show up to your stuff if if, if you're not giving them nothing, bro. Like and it's probably like that. Like at a lot a lot of other colleges, bro. It's like if if you're not giving them nothing, you know they're not gonna pull up. Like they're not gonna know how valuable the event is gonna be unless unless it got like wings or exactly or, yeah. or, or some food there, or a something. gift bag or something. Yeah, bro. Like.
1: T-shirt. A could
0: damn near do anything in this world for a T-shirt. <laughs> exactly, bro. And this and it's like for me, like I think of um the thing, the ways that I want to make change. Like and it's something I thought about, like it seems like a lot of like leaders, eventual leaders in the community, seem like they always they was always like student activists or something like that. And, and it makes me kind of makes me think. I'm like, damn, like maybe I could have did more. But it's like for me, it's kind of just understanding like my own path.
1: Yeah, I feel like, you know, a lot of stuff, because I feel like that too. But it's just like in due time, you know, like when it's right, you know, we're going to make this shit happen regardless. So, you know, it's a marathon, you know. So
0: that's, that's, real. That's, that's real, bro. And it's like, you just got to stay true to it, bro. And everything going to work out, bro. But one more question I got to ask you is like, <laughs> it's going to make you laugh probably. But what, what does being a black man in America mean to you? <laughs>
1: that shit is funny. A black man in America, I feel like, honestly, bro, I don't know. It's kind of scary to me. I feel like we definitely have a lot of limited protection from, I don't know, I'm our people as a whole. It's like, I feel like black men have been made as like the villain in a lot of people's, you know, eyes. Even having like black women in America courses and they're like, oh yeah, like, you know, white man and black men, XYZ, whatever, right? Like, they still got their male privilege and i've had professors like oh yeah so when they are killing these black men on tv or like you know when these cops is killing them and shit, oh that's the male privilege when they getting gunned down in their communities and that's but so i mean for sure i feel like as a black dude um i definitely feel kind of vulnerable sometimes i feel scared and even like i was telling you about you know talking to like admissions specialists for like law school and they'll say stuff like oh you got a really good shot at going to whatever top law school even though you're not a double minority you know like you're not a a black female or a latina female you're a man you're black man but it's like they killing black boys and shit like i was you know i sent you the little shit about the kid at Crenshaw who uh, just lost his
0: life coming home from a party so it's like yeah bro that kind of shit is crazy to me dog wait bro hold on bro i'm about to to pull up something I, i tweeted on twitter last year bro like like that's that's what I'm talking about, bro. Like they they treat it like a double minority, bro. It's like oh, b- black men are the least in in these college spaces, bro. Like oh, yeah, if absolutely. any if anything, we're a minority in those spaces, no, bro. Like yeah, so that's
1: that's the whole point, bro. Is, that's why I was saying, like I'll be telling people,
0: like <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, bro. That's, hold, on, hold on, I'm trying to find my Twitter. bro. what was he saying though? I uh, just uh
1: I don't know, bro. This shit is crazy to me, though. But, yeah, like, as far as the double minority, like, our our black boys need help because it's like, we getting either killed by police or each other. We get left behind from professional opportunities, educational opportunities. And it feels like, you know, nothing is really being done to see a boost in getting us somewhere. Even, like, we see, like, at Howard, you know, it's famous Infamous, but the Howard ratio—like, mm-hmm. why the hell is there so many men or females to men, men or women to men, whatever? So, why? It's like it's not because our women, our black women, are more talented than the black boys are, and that's black boys are less talented. That's what they make it seem, we're like. not as smart. It's a real issue, and we need to get to the bottom of what is the problem. Why are we getting left behind? Because I feel like as we go, you know, the gap is going to continue to widen and you, as time continues. Rather. But, yeah, because even, like, you know, when Spellman was number one for one year over Howard, like, what, 2021 or so, they had jumped us in the ratings. But people, the joke was, oh, yeah, they number one because we got black men holding us down. That was the joke. They all women, so they got all black women to push them up. We got the black men holding us down. And it's a joke, but, you know, like they say, every joke got a little bit of truth to it. And I feel like some people really do believe that. It's people who shit. really do believe that, bro. Believe that, and black women, I feel like they about... They male, black male counterparts. And I, that's what I think is even more so scary about it. Because, you know, you would think you could identify with black women and find solace in her because I see my mother or my sister in you. Mm-hmm. But damn near niggas looking at us like competition. Or like an oppressor.
0: An oppressor, bro. Damn, real. I'm yo. So, I'm yo.
1: Exactly. Like, I've had people, bro, when I was at the NFL, I'm trying to reach out to, you know, certain like, Black women or, you know, somebody that I think is going to try to give me some game and put their arm around me. And I've seen people will pass me up to go help out, you know, another woman, which is dope. I feel like our women do need like, to be like empowered. Like women
0: of a different race? No, I think or it's black, black women. Okay. But it's
1: like, of course, we need to put our arms around our black women and uplift them. But it's like, don't do it at the expense of black men. Like, oh, well, you know, oh, well, because I feel like that's how we're getting treated, man. And I see you talking about a tweet. I saw a tweet, I don't even know if I can find it right now, but it was saying, like, I I have a scholarship for black boys, and when the black women at my job found out the scholarship was exclusively for young black men, they tried to get the scholarship, like, taken down, or, you know what I mean? They tried to get it open to black women, or just taken down, period. And it's like, I feel like that is so sad to me. And when I saw that kid, I want to say his name, too, because this shit is on the tip of my tongue. But when I saw him die, I'm like, man, because I'm sitting there so passionate. I'm damn near about to cry because I feel like this could be me. And this could be my cousin or my brother, my nephew. And I feel like people don't really care about it like that. Quincy Reese Jr., uh, the Crenshaw basketball, uh, Crenshaw High School basketball player. He was 16. And like you and I were talking, you even got to do the respectability politics to humanize the kid. He was a good student. he's a 3.4 student. If he had they kept fucking, emphasizing that in yeah, article. It don't matter what the fuck it's says. You shouldn't expect to be killed or it shouldn't be justified that we are being killed out here, bro. So I feel like something seriously got to be done. But, you know, you asked me how it feels to be a black man in America. I definitely do feel a lot of pride about who I am and what I want to accomplish and how I want to lead and help people in the future. But I do get disappointed and a little scared sometimes seeing the direction that we're in with our black counterparts, because I have had friends that, you know, get sucked up in the jail cycle, or, you know, jail or petty little crimes, or just working, just floating about. I know you can relate to people, just floating about, just doing anything, make music a little bit, but you really don't do much of anything, and it's like, that has to change. I feel like, I don't know, it may be up to us to do it, or I don't know what it's going to take to get that emphasis back to, like, black unity, period, bro, but I think it's really, uh, like white supremacy, I feel like is at the root of that it definitely It's the driving way. that divide and trying to make it seem like the battle of the sexes when we really want people One group and we need to be fighting as such. So it's interesting, but we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah Bro, like you like I can I cannot explain like the, the silent rage and if I had the capacity to cry Damn, I would have cried right there when you when you said um When you said like there was that scholarship for black boys and a lot of the yeah. black women were like, "Take it down. This should be for all black people." And it's like, it's like, bro, like, they be having scholarships for for black girls. Like, women. you know, I, mean? like, shit, I couldn't apply. Like, to like you know what I'm saying, bro? This it's, is
1: Los Angeles residents. Black Los Angeles re- women though. No. God damn, I mean like, this shit probably more to she Like, 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 like
0: we are, like we are so. Um, oh, I'm not pulling my tweet right now. Last year. The the, the the person who tweeted this Deleted it because I, I schooled their ass But it was basically like They were talking about like like male privilege or whatever Like black, black male privilege And I said um, I said highest incarceration rate un- Highest unemployment rate Highest homicide slash suicide rate Lowest education rate The overwhelming victims of, of police brutality And dead last on every survival indicator In the United States And don't forget how black men by twenty ninety by 2097 are in pace not to be enrolled in college like
1: i remember you said that and it was a lot of people like but you're not seeing the real like with well, i don't know bro but you're not really understanding still and it's like you sit there and give out facts to people but people so used to hearing some stupid shit about whatever males bro even at the nfl was there in the summertime of 2022 so that was when uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned, right? Mm-hmm. And I had a white coworker that was telling me about the importance of using my voice as a man to speak up. I said, "I am a fucking black man. If anything, you got a stronger voice than I do as a mm-hmm. white woman." Like, what the fuck, mean? You like, you know, I understand being in solidarity with women because I understand it. And I was disgusted and sick to my stomach too. But I just was like, the audacity! You got the audacity to open your mouth and tell me about fighting for somebody. Like, what the
0: fuck kind of shit is that? yeah I mean that's one of the things bro like I'm, I'm not gonna lie like people might people might cancel me for this bro but i really I really don't believe in the concept of, of, of male privilege in terms of a, in, in, in the concept of being a black man like i don't I don't think we have any type of privilege in this country bro like you could you could maybe point to like like small little privileges that i have for, for just being a man but like systemically bro I, I have i have no privilege and i feel like me being a black man like my, my privilege is literally denied because I am a man and because I'm a threat to the white man's masculinity because the, the white man has been the, the, the over the over the has been the dominator in this system so it's like they want their masculinity to be the strongest and, and the strongest biggest threat to that is the black man his masculinity which they're insecure of. so it's like I feel like but whenever a black man rises you know, like you see the Malcolm X and M. L. K. You know, when when you see strong black men, they kill them. Just like in you know, along with like people like like Fred Hampton, the F. B. I. Like all them infiltrating black organizations. That that was that was you know that, that that black woman played such a major role in bro. Like we was working together in the past, bro. Like the Black Panthers was mostly women, bro, and like and it was it was crazy, bro, because the Black Panther ladies, like some some of the some of the ladies of the Black Panther party. Up to however, like this past semester, bro, and like there was one question, like one of the girls in the audience asked a question that was kind of geared towards, like, like it was like a question that was kind of geared to kind of get her to like disrespect the black men in the blank, end in the Panther Party. It was like, did did they respect you guys? And 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 she was like, yeah, of course, of of course, of course they respect us and all that type of stuff. And then one of the Black Panther males, like OG, oh, sitting in the crowd, like he was sitting in the front row he stood up, he was like, hell yeah, we respected them, like, like stood up, and it's like, just things like that, like, the, 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 um, the, the, the natural disdain that I feel like a lot of our women kind of, like, have for us now is so, it's so misplaced, and, and so, um, it's, 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 it's rooted in white supremacy, in my opinion, and I feel like, you know, it's like, it's, and it, don't just start with them. I feel like we as black people, we need to start loving each other more, you know. We need to, like, sometimes I know it's like, we'll, like, you know, like, we see it, like, we'll disparage our women publicly online and social media for yeah, for, sure. for no reason at all, bro. Like, we've, you know, comes back to the old adage, like, golden rule, like, treat others how you want to be treated. it's like, if, if you want to be respected, you know, you got to give that respect to others. You got to show that appreciation for others, and then they'll give it back to you. And I feel like we... Black people, we just be bickering about all this all this Dumb shit, bro oh, Enough to the point to where we can't even look at Black boys who are struggling We can't even look at them as like That there's an issue, we just think Oh, like black women want to feel like Oh, like we're, we're just doing better We're the most educated in America exactly. and, that's, and that's dope as hell, bro Like like, 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 y'all going crazy, but We can't leave black men behind, bro Like, yeah. like any strong woman Like you don't need strong men in that movement, bro. It's the reason why they kill all these black men off, bro. It's the reason why, like, Exactly. like you, you need those men. And I feel like if if we want to actually solve these issues, you know, we got to be we got to continue to be outspoken about these issues, bro. Because I know for me at Johns Hopkins, like, there was a, I told y'all in the chat, like, there was a point to where like I defended like like black men and like maybe maybe black men are doing this because they feel neglected and that feel like nobody's paying attention to them or nobody is hearing their voice because they're, because they're a man, you know, like, there's, there, there's a lot of neglect that comes with being a black man in this country, which is why we got the highest suicide rate of any man and any group of people in this country because it feel hopeless, bro. Like, yeah, we feel hopeless, sure. bro. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I think that, um, it just, it, it pisses me off and that's something that I definitely want to, like, continue to advocate for in my life is just, like, like black male issues and just, just being a man, because I feel like, you know, it's it's extremely neglected, bro. And people act like it don't exist. like, Howard being 72% women, 28% males, or whatever, the, the big 75-25, like, yeah, exactly. That that is a that is an issue. We think of it as, like, normal, like, oh, this, exactly. is, this is like a normal, okay, like, like, are women going crazy, but it's like, where why aren't the men here? Like, we need to start looking at that. Like, it's not supposed to be this big of a gap.
1: Yeah,
0: exactly. So, it's like, you know, I've... I, I really I really don't care if 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 anybody cancels me for anything that I say because like I mean I've said this before in the podcast like you know like you can't cancel the love it's like all right I I ain't, I, ain't, I ain't going nowhere man like and if you disagree with what I'm saying but like how about you me up let me know what's going on because you know if if I'm wrong tell me why I'm wrong that's how I that's how I live my life you feel me
1: yeah I understand that's what I was thinking too like as far as, you know, opposing points, like, it's nice if, you know, if people have opinions or facts I can kind of rebuttal that to give, you know, a more holistic point of view. That's what I would like, but the numbers kind of indicate, like, you know, it's an issue with... Bro, the numbers are there, like, yeah,
0: exactly. the, like the, the numbers are, are there easily, bro, like, it's, it's there, like, I want to, I would love to hear an alternate perspective, you know, but a lot of these these yeah. stats aren't even I'm what I'm talking about
1: it's, shit to hard, it's hard to find the alternate type of like you know opposing perspective because when you look into it you kind of see what's going on but you know like we were saying a lot of it is or not I'm gonna say a lot of it I'm gonna say most of the shit all of it is intentional like it's designed this way. I feel like the narratives is designed and that's the whole point of it is to discredit us and stop us from being able to come together because we talking about this super shit like male no privilege oh you got privileges man I don't know like you know like you were saying I think it's some small stuff and obviously you know like women deal with sexual violence and sexual harassment on a scale to which we don't for sure of course absolutely but on a a scale of like the or aspect of the just education us getting left behind. And the survival rate, like survival rate, and the salaries and education level, like stuff like that. Feel like it needs to be explored because it's not because black men are not smart or capable and talented. Exactly, it's because this shit is designed to not allow us to, you know, utilize our intelligence and our brilliance. So I don't know.
0: Exactly, bro. We just gotta to continue to like just just, just keep up. let keep up the fight, bro. Like, just 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 like letting people know. Cause I know you've always been an advocate. Like, whether like that's like a it's like in a female dominated space, you always gonna advocate for like for male issues. And I feel like people like us are needed because a lot of black men are very like, and especially in, in real life, are very quiet about these issues when it's time to speak up. You know, they, they don't say nothing cause they scared of what's gonna be said against them, how people is gonna perceive them. But it's like you know, like. Like woman not gonna lose any respect for you if 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 you real about your opinions and actually speak the, speak the truth about what's going on in in the world and in the black community, bro. Because at the end of the day, bro, I just want to see black people succeed, bro. I don't want to just see black men or just black women succeed. I don't want everybody yeah, to succeed, whole, bro. Exactly. Like, Strut the number, shut up, anyway. Golden <laughs> Four times, but like yeah, bro. I think that's what it's about, bro. But you know, it was it was great having you on.
1: I appreciate you. I feel honored, man. I was like, I felt like I'm on CNN, NPR. Like, I was in the Uber really nervous. So, I'm, I'm glad I was able
0: to come and express myself and, you know, have a good conversation for sure. Yeah, bro. Like, it's definitely a, a long time. A long time in the making, man. And I... I hope you have a great time at NYU, bro. Like, I'm, I'm proud of you, bro. Like, we finna do some, some big things, bro. Uh, we
1: will. Thank
0: you. I appreciate y'all. I'm, I'm proud of you, too, and all the stuff you're doing. We all know that, though. <laughs> but shit. <laughs> hey, man, we out here, man. Hey, y'all. It's, a, it's another episode of The Black Lotus completed. You know, we've been going crazy lately. We've been recording episodes like a mug, you know, but... Black Lotus out. And as, always, as we always say, as long as y'all show love, we'll stay consistent. Black Lotus out. Josiah out. Good job. Goodbye. Numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir.